Hello and welcome to Chuddle the Pod with Sam. Reach him at nine. What is this? What is this? What is happening? How long have you been planning this? Nonsense. That was, that was inaccurate. Is it? It's all lies. None of that information was true. All made up. Oh my god. <laughs> Not the chuddle. Chuddle. This movie sounds awful. I'm sorry, guys. Surprise. Whoa. Touching butts. Kinky. Creepy pasta. Please. You can't say Teddy Spaghetti three times or else Don't mention his name Posticle A Ouija version of the stranger Oh, that's fantastic Hey Out of the mist and into the fog It's Chuddle the Pod Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Chuddle the Pod Where three best friends take a look at the curious world around us And what do I mean by the curious world around us? Well we like to take a dive into movies, music, mystery, and history, dabbling in the gruesome, ghoulish, grisly, and gnarly, and almost always touching the world of the macabre. And on today's episode, we are falling into a deep sleep as we cover a classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and those voices that have just been <laughs> extinguished by so my good. beautiful... That was fantastic. I'm, I'm praising myself was... my beautiful intro there. No, that's I'm really good. working that's on really that good. there. And, uh, you did a great job. Th- oh, 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 thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and I thank you two for being here. So those beautiful voices, as always, are my lovely co-occupants. We'll jump mm-hmm. over to Sam first. This time you can follow him at ChuddleTheSam on Instagram, Twitter, and Slasher. Hit us that's up right. or hit him up on all of those. He'll, he'll respond to you, that's for sure. How you doing? What's going on in the life of you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you. Yeah, good. I um, saw Studio 666, the mm. Foo Fighters horror comedy yes, yes. on nice. Friday, opening day. That was fun. If you're going to have a good time, you will probably have a good time. <laughs> If okay, you're looking okay. for like a band that made a horror comedy, if, right? If you're yeah. looking for much more than that, it'll, you'll probably struggle. Put it this way: I saw it with a horror fan and a Foo Fighters fan who's not a fan of horror movies, and the horror fan had a good time. The Foo Fighters fan said that it was uh, the worst movie he's ever seen in his life. <laughs> oh, interesting! <laughs> wow. Very interesting. Yeah, I. I I mean, I can understand that if you're going in not being a horror fan. It probably relied heavily on that, yeah. The gore is intense. I mean, there's a chainsaw killing it that's probably better than any from the new Texas chainsaw. Wow. Uh, Bold statement. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm happy saying it. I mean, there's not as much, but the uh, the kill itself. It's quality over quantity. (laughs) precisely well that's that's awesome i mean i've been wanting to uh, sorry to put in i've been wanting to see it just because then i kind of expected what you kind of said it was sure a horror film made by a band it's going to be ridiculous i mean if you've seen any of like foo fighters music videos they're a good Mm -hmm. portion of them are pretty funny so i i wasn't expecting anything serious out of it so yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's objectively bad, but subjectively no, right, great. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm expecting that. 
<laughs> I could see it being a cult classic. And then I uh, last night went with uh, my buddy to go see A Veil in Hot Water Music. So oh. that was a lot of fun over in Janice Live. Uh, and had a real good time with that. It was a lot of people in their mid-30s and older. Um, some of them with their kids. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, so, uh, Bands World, Peeper World. I felt old because my feet and knees started to hurt at one point. But oh, sure. <laughs> I had a good time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That tracks, that tracks. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad. Uh, I mean, it sounds like that would be the crowd that was there. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we're, I mm-hmm. guess we're falling into that age group, and that's where our music's taking us. It's like, oh, yeah, we sure are. Yeah. We're all on the, you know, that's all. That's all on the classic rock channel now. Classic. Yes. Yeah. Is that going to be a channel? Like is that he... bus stop. <laughs> yeah, right. That mm-hmm. that other person joining us on this bus ride to eternity <laughs> is our other lovely co-occupant <laughs> by the name of. Ross. You can follow him hey, at Shuttle the Ross on Instagram and Slasher as well. How how are things in your household? Ooh, things are good. Um, you know, when I was watching and writing notes for this film for this episode, um, this hit this hit deep. Cause we got a newborn in the house and I am not sleeping. So I was no. as cranked on coffee as Nancy through most of this film. And mm. oh dude, was, I mean I don't know. It added a whole new realism. It's like the 4D, whatever, you know, like you're sitting there. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Like in the oh, theater. Okay. This is like, I was experiencing the coffee smells, uh, the nodding off. Um, mm-hmm. It was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was getting all the base emotions that you know, when you haven't slept in like weeks. So it's just that like. Okay. You know, Did you get just, any blood yeah. geysers or. Oh, like, no, no uh, blood geysers. Um, phone tongues. Yeah, I think you probably I did, got you phone know tongues, weird? right? I did get a phone tongue. Um, I realized though that I had fallen asleep and my dog was just licking my face. So oh, that's, that's uh, classic. Yeah. I like classic. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah, classic yeah. dog switcheroo. Yeah, you're a dream, you know. It's the dream. It's a hot lady, and then you wake up and it's a dog. I get it. Yeah. Yep. We've been there, bro. Been there. We've all we've all sitcomed before. You know, right? You guys have been on a sitcom, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You kidding me? Call I mean, we have our own laugh team. track and boo track at this point. Oh, that's so. true. That's true. I couldn't get to it fast enough. Sorry. So the <laughs> final... Uh, boo. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> there they are. Right there. I'll just cut those ones out. Throw them in every Perfect. now and then. <laughs> yeah. Good, Beautiful. Good, good, right? And I'm your final co-occupant. I'm sorry. Did you have anything else for me, Ross? No. Me, that us. was it. Nope. Barrel's done. empty. That's Let us know get. how you've been, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> how, no, actually, no, I do. How have you been, Brian? Oh, also, oh, I've been fine. Oh, you're welcome. Good to have you here. I've been doing well. Thank you for having me. I um, just, you know, like I, I kind of mentioned pre-podcast, been working, being, you know, cat blur- burglaring, burgling mm. everywhere. Ooh, burgling. Good. In yeah. between some cat burglary jobs, <laughs> I was traveling <laughs> on the subway today. I'm just like sitting there like zoning out or whatever. And we come to a stop. Doors open, start to close. And before we pull away, I, I look out the window and I see this kid. He like you know crumpled up some trash and was trying to make like a shot into the mm-hmm. the trash bin and totally missed and did like a look around trying to see if anyone noticed mm-hmm. it and then like looks into the train and just sees me staring at him as I slowly shake my head <laughs> 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 and he, he was totally cool about it and he like started laughing or whatever but yeah that that was that was a fun little you know human interaction human with someone I will never yeah. see again. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then he's on the way t- back, go on. He's gonna he's gonna tell it to his grandchildren. 
<laughs> this one time I was <laughs> I didn't think anyone saw. The and problem then, was I didn't say Kobe. Uh, <laughs> Tell me about the train man, Papa. <laughs> The disapproving train man. The disapproving train And then after man. that, I stumbled upon a random uh, movie premiere. Ryan Reynolds has a new movie coming out on Netflix. I think it's the one where like he time travels or some shit. I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. It's like he's a in it. grandpa story. Always working. Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo's in it. So yeah. I'm walking by, and there was a whole red carpet event going on, and I looked inside. It was like big glass windows. You could see like where all you know the photos and press and shit was doing their thing. I, there was Mark Ruffalo hanging out, which is funny because that would be the second mm. time that I've randomly seen him in New York. And the first was at oh, yeah. Comic-Con when uh, yeah, I was uh, it, working that and I was walking. But he had a mask on, like an right. old grandpa mask, which I learned about I later. Like yeah, it was in like, like, you I know, saw that guy. That was I was like, Ruffalo. yeah, I walked right by that guy and I was like, huh, that's a funny mask. And that yeah, was, yeah. Uh, Charlie Cox. Uh, the Daredevil on Netflix mm-hmm. was like walking around with just like a bag on his head. Cause I was at I think at New York Comic Con one yeah, year yeah. as well. Because mm-hmm. I was, I was at Joe Casada's table I think, and he just came up and started talking to him. Yeah, yeah. And you just heard this like British accent, and somebody <laughs> else I was with was like, "That's Charlie Cox," and I was like, "Oh, that's funny. Look at him. Yeah, look at him being a funny little man. Yeah, I yeah. love it when." <laughs> celebrities you know put on a mask and walk around comic conventions mm-hmm. right. if they do it well even if they don't even if it's just a bag on their head that's still pretty funny right it's still pretty good yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, like funny if it's like a plastic bag need. and they can hardly breathe out of it <laughs> <laughs> just like oh hey somebody's cosplaying as a floor corpse with a bag on their head <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> what? Oh, my god that's amazing so we want to say uh thank you so much for joining us all three of our voices together combined to make chuddle the pod where you can follow all of us on twitter slasher and instagram we're on all of those you can email us if you want to do that if you're maybe a little shy and don't want everyone know that you're like shouting out at us that would be chuddle the pod at gmail.com hit us up give us a uh Give us those would you rathers. <laughs> Give us some movie suggestions. Let me know about some creepy pastas. Uh, we're here to engage with you or talk about anything else. What else? You got mm-hmm. stuff going on in your mind? I mean, maybe we'll sit down. We don't offer professional advice, but you know, we'll, we'll no, talk with you. No, we're not professionals at all. We look like them, but we're not. Do we look like them? Who does? Yeah, which one of us <laughs> looks like a professional? It just yeah, depends. You tell on, me. I mean, Let, hey, look you know at what? the three of us, and you tell me. Depends on the profession. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I, I mean, we're all professionals in our own professions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Sure. Why yeah, not? Sure. So, as we mentioned, we're covering Nightmare on Elm Street tonight. This is a deep dive to kind of celebrate our 25th recording, but may not be our 25th episode but we'll leave that to figure out whatever so we've been pretty much doing this for about six months at this point and it's awesome so we thought we would sit down with a classic that we i i I mean i'll probably you know you know i don't think i'm Hmm. shooting myself in the foot by saying we all love this movie so yeah 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 so we're gonna go cover a night Hated it. It sucked. Oh god, this is gonna be another god, one where it's you guys like it and I hate it. It's great. <laughs> Fucking worst rom com I've ever seen. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and take a break before we jump into the boiler and get a little steamy with a nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> and we're back. Thank you so much 
for listening to what you just listened to, which was probably not much. We are are here and we're in it yeah. and we're about to talk about something it. very, very exciting. So I'm going to kick it straight over to Ross to get us all started with another one of Ross's video roundup. Well, hey there, buckaroos. Welcome for another video roundup with your pal, Ross. Spoilers ahead. From the deep rim sleep of cinema comes the subconscious stalker Freddy Krueger in 1984's Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street. Guys, this is such a good movie. In Nightmare on Elm Street. Fred Krueger. Yes. Fred Krueger. Fred. Fred, I like when he's just returned. I mean, because I feel like they call him. We're just going to jump right into it. I feel like they call him Fred a lot in this one, don't they? They do. They refer to him mostly Fred in Mm -hmm. dialogue and Freddy in the lullaby. So it's kind of this like weird blend mix. So here's what's weird. This was the first time when I watched it that I was, I thought they said Fred in the song. And I was like, one, two, huh, Fred's always, coming for you? Yeah, Fred huh. is coming for you. Interesting. Okay. Freddy's coming for you. I, yeah. I, I've always, I mean, in my head, I've always thought of it as Freddy. Uh-huh. And when I watched it this time, I was like, holy crap, it's just Fred is coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's Freddy. That'd be, I mean, that, that, it, it does, I mean, it does have a different feel when Fred is coming for you. <laughs> it does. Yes. Because Fred's just a guy. And it's like, oh, oh, no. So, this is a direct quote from uh, Wes Craven Elm Street is the name of the street that ran past the book depository where Kennedy was shot. To me, it was where the innocent world ended. Interesting. Okay. So, what, what was that in reference to? I mean, what? like. What? It was kind of the it, it was kind of the influences of Why did I mean, he say all, that? <laughs> because he has there's a residence of uh well Nancy Thompson and the other residents of Elm Street mm-hmm. are starting to have nightmares. Oh. And those nightmares are starting to become real. And she and her troop of friends need to uncover the dark truth concealed by their parents. After they become targets of a spirit of a serial killer with a bladed glove in their dreams. And guys, if they die in their dreams, it kills them in real life. So I've heard. That's that's funny. I've never thought of Freddy Krueger as a spirit, but I guess he is until they realistically, you know, bring him into our world. Bring him into the, yeah. Right? It is. (laughs) uh, There's there's a lot of different, uh, really unique things about Freddy Krueger. In comparison to, say, some of the other things that were kind of uh, in the horror atmosphere at the time. I mean, realistically, and the one that just is the forerunner, is that he is a dream stalker. Like, he's not necessarily in the real world, and everyone needs to sleep. And this thing comes to you when you're most vulnerable, when you're actually asleep. Like, specifically when you're asleep. Specifically when you're asleep. That's even, like, because, like, sometimes you could be like, okay, maybe I can get a little shut-eye, you know, we do... we take rounds yeah. someone's chasing you but like oh it's like a sleep like you're, you're any screwed. other slasher <laughs> yeah right. it's like you none have of, to no one can sleep until uh-huh. you watch you can't not sleep it's yeah. not like where it's like we just have to get away from this they, cabin or whatever right yeah. it's like they say it in the uh, in the film nancy's like oh, the the record is 11 days without dying yeah, yeah. but i mean do we know if that's real <laughs> I mean, maybe, uh, yeah. How how was she able to look that up? Within Wikipedia didn't exist. No, she had to look that up. She had to call the internet. She, she the called the library. Book. She, she called, called her local library. librarian. Yep, they got to call your local librarian. Out 
Uh-huh, and then uh-huh. she answered the question. No, but it's, I mean, how was your, I mean, like, okay, so we're all within the same kind of ra- age range. Mm-hmm. What was your first exposure to Nightmare on Elm Street? Now, was it the first movie? Because it wasn't for me. Me either. I don't okay. think so. Well, it's it's hard to say, but my first real, I, I feel like, memory I have is uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare. I remember when that came out, which was about 94, I think that came out. Yeah. I don't remember if it was right when it, I don't remember the time frame, but it was relatively newish. I think my brother and his friends had rented it. My brother wasn't ever Mm. like a huge horror fan. Like he would, you know, Mm -hmm. watch it with his friends or whatnot. So it's not like I, I developed my love of horror from him. Sure. Unlike a lot of other aspects of me. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I remember I had someone spending the night with me and my brother and his friends were watching that in like the living room. And I mm-hmm. wanted to go and hang out with them, but also watch this like whatever this movie was. So I feel like mm-hmm. I knew of Freddy Krueger. Yes. And maybe mm-hmm. I had oh, seen some sure. other stuff at that point, but this is fucking Wes Craven's new nightmare. This is new nightmare. <laughs> just a, a, a little bit more intense Freddy Krueger. And I remember oh, yeah. my friend sitting next to me watching it. And he, he sat there and just like watched it or whatever. And then I think we went back to my bedroom to go to bed and... I don't remember if he went home that night <laughs> or like had a call his parents. He's like, I can't do, I can't watch do stuff. This. Like I remember him being absolutely horrified. And I was like, this is pretty neat. I got to start discovering yeah, more of this like, shit. So oh, what totally. is this? Um, I'm very similar. So uh, one of the first R rated movies that I smuggled into my house was Wes Craven's new nightmare and watched ah, it alone in my room. Uh, on a VHS, like a VHS player, wow. and it scared the bejesus out of me. I think it's scary because, like, I was same thing. Like, I had, I was I knew who Freddy Krueger was, mm-hmm. but I didn't know like the specifics of what it who Freddy Krueger was. And then because Wes Craven's new nightmare is set in the real world, right? I was like, oh, so this is like a oh, like he's real, real, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you know, this, like when, it, he's actually when a Heather real Landcamp thing. <laughs> is playing herself, and you're like, and Wes Craven's playing himself. I'm like, oh, so this is like a oh no, and just <laughs> fucking ruined me for like a solid week. But it made me want to jump directly into the first movie mm-hmm. and just like, that, dive deep. You got all that as a how old were you? This one have been when it first came out, right? What, 94 would have been... I don't know, I'm 37 uh, now. Pretty young. I mean, you would have probably been 9, 10, right, I was asking if you got all that meta here. stuff you were just talking about at that time on your first watch. Oh, no. it's. I mean, but the impression is that it's set in the real world because you see, like, special effects makeup and people working on a film and, like, the creature coming out is Freddy Krueger where it's like, oh, this isn't just... Oh, this isn't set in the real world. Okay, this is... Oh, mm-hmm. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah. You're scared by the fact that it's like, it already like, is like, yeah, Freddy Krueger was in this movie, but now he's in the real world. You're like, young young Ross was like, well, I don't like that he's in the real world. I don't like that. Yeah. (laughs) I've never even seen the older ones, and if he's coming out, dude, I don't like that. Mm -mm. (laughs) What about you, Sam? What's your, do you remember any sort of? Uh, No. Uh, Not at all, in a weird way. Like, I I knew who Freddy Krueger was before I even knew that it... I would have called them the Freddy Krueger movies before I knew it was a Nightmare on Elm Street series. I mean, uh, sure. That's something to... And then I think my first exposure may have been New Nightmare, but I don't remember it at all. I think that was the one that uh, it was on TV. 
so I saw the four TV version of it and okay. I like, missed the beginning. Um, and didn't really care. It didn't uh-huh. do anything for me at the time. The original is the first one I consider like really watching. It would have been mm-hmm. when I started getting into horror in eighth yeah. or ninth grade. I'm not really sure. It just would have been when I was like renting whatever I could. I was probably really into Scream and I was like, yeah. oh, what's Craven? Nightmare on Elm Street. This has got that Freddy Krueger guy I've heard about. I just remembered watching Wes Craven's New Nightmare and the, the towards the end when Freddy's like opening his mouth to eat what's his name. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was young just sitting there be like ah <laughs> like laughing and thinking it was like the craziest <laughs> funniest thing and then yeah Ever. looking at my friend next to me that's just like ah <laughs> <laughs> losing it. <laughs> and just like pulling me aside, be like, I can't, I can't watch that. I can't watch. <laughs> yeah. What a yeah. It is crazy. That's that's Freddy for all of us. Yeah. I think what's 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 interesting about, especially probably for our listeners too, is because of when these films came out. If I give any recommendation on Nightmare on Elm Street, and I didn't realize this until I think it was like two thousand. It was. It was right before the remake came out. So in two thousand nine, they re released Nightmare on Elm Street in theaters, and I got a chance to see it in theaters. And cool. around Halloween, listeners, if you've got like theaters in town that are like small mom and pop things that are just doing like midnight mm-hmm. movies, if you get a chance to watch Nightmare on Elm Street on yes. the big screen, do it. Because so many of the movies that we love and watch, we've watched at home. They're on VHS or DVD mm-hmm. uh, at certain ages, especially certain ages like of these films. So because this was done in 84 do yourself a favor, watch this on the big screen because it, it, it doesn't change the score at all of my score because it's still, obviously, if you couldn't tell, it's going to be a big score. But there's something that's just amazing about seeing it huge, like just mm-hmm. a, like just on the huge screen, the practical effects. There's so many nuances, details that you see huge that instead of like the screen that like I would, yeah, huge recommendation sure. for that. I feel like, I don't remember if I saw that with you, because I definitely saw that when that came out, when they did that re- release at some point, and I was living did we go see it in that area at that time when I saw it. So it could have been... We probably did. We probably yeah, did. We, we probably were in the same theater. We just didn't even know it. We didn't know it. Same yeah. row. Right next, row, right next to I each no other. Had no idea. No idea. Also didn't have pants on. <laughs> well, of course. That's just how I go to movies. So, yeah. No, I definitely... <laughs> if you get a chance to see any of these kind of classics... Or, or, I mean, in theaters, is just so much more fun. And I believe it was a relatively full theater, too. So, you know, it's oh, just yeah. like... Fans of the movie. They're most of the people in there aren't going in to see it for the first time. Ooh, what's this no, new right. Nightmare movie that came out? It was just, you know, uh, a oh, rollick and good hardcore time. Hardcore fans. Oh, absolutely. And what's even more amazing to me, I've seen the movie a million times and then seeing it in the theaters, it still legitimately scared the bejesus out of me a few times. And I've seen it. I could mm-hmm. play it back in my head a million. I was just like, it's just, I don't know. So good. So absolutely it's fun. good. It's fun. It's fun. So should we get into the movie itself? Yeah. Nightmare on Elm this, Street guys. starring the one and only Johnny Depp in his first role. Yes. Jonathan. First role. Deppelson. Yeah. That's his full name, right? Jonathan Johnny Deppleton. Deppleton. Yeah, Johnny Deppleton. Actually got picked out. I think it was like Wes Craven's niece. There was okay. a bunch of headshots and he came in and like he was, a, you know, young, attractive dude. Apparently, Russ said his fingers were like caked yellow with nicotine stains. <laughs> and he had to, because they were going to cast Glenn as like a more of like a, a like a beefcake, kind of like a football player, that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And then they had all the headshots down, and it, like the, it's, the uh, younger girl comes, uh, niece comes through, and goes, "It's his daughter." That one. It's his. Oh, it was his daughter. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And goes that guy, and she's like, "He's like, why?" He goes, "Cause he's beautiful." 
<laughs> said he was dreamy. Yeah. Oh, get uh, it? You see? Get it? Yeah. Get it? Oh, really fuck. Uh, Brad Pitt was one of the people in consideration for that role. That oh, was like I can't remember all all the names. He was the only one that I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> That's okay. Wild. So we get to our opening sequence of a human Fred Krueger creating the world famous teenage slicing Jinsu knife mitten of destruction. That is his <laughs> claws, um, which I do kind of find really sweet because uh, he, especially for first time w- like seeing this, it gives you a pretense of what the murder weapon is without mm-hmm. giving away too much of the character because this is an insanely unique murder weapon for a slasher. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it, it's and so... it was coming off the time where like every slasher had their own weapon. Yes. Had, like and, and, weapon, and with... a thing, like yeah, yeah, yeah all this yeah. stuff. And it's so it, I mean it's obviously your, become so iconic, your steak but knife, like your oh, axe, shoot. your chainsaw, your mm-hmm. hammer, your pickaxe. Right? Pickaxe, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well you do a little Harry Warden. Um, and a good actually fun fact about the uh, claw hand is that it's a kind of like accumulation of a few different things. Um Wes didn't want to have another slasher with just like a generic knife. Um, and then he kind of uh, had, because he owns cats, he, was like, he had a really innate fear of getting scratched by cats. And he kind of like that, it was a, he said it was a fusion of like the idea of getting slashed by a large animal. And then yeah. also, he also saw all of these like knife commercials, infomercials, and he said he just had the idea that popped in his head out of those. So I'm just picturing him trying to get his cat to do something really late at night and it just scratches the shit out of him and he's like god fucking oh god damn uh-huh. and he just like <laughs> looks at the tv and it's just some jinsu knife commercial and he goes wait wait a minute eureka eureka i got it i got I've it we got can we can fred, fred krueger needs to have like four of those on his fingers i don't know why he talks like this have... four four of those it's like a cat all right we're gonna get rid of what the, the cat face hands we put we'll get rid of the spaghetti whip arms and we're gonna like go with the uh, that, i like the fact that wes craven's inner monologue is just a weird southern man <laughs> I, I, I think i i think i need to i get four of them ginsu knives and i put it all on one hand you see and then it's like it's like when my cat you see my cat came up and my my cat scratched me you see that's freddy krueger <laughs> yes inner monologue southern man i will try yes i will do yeah. that um so we get kind of like a quick demo of the knives through canvas as we meet our first character uh tina who uh finds herself running through like an industrial nightmare which is kind of like a frequent Definitely a freaking montage and scene for Freddy Krueger and mm-hmm. his playground. Um, and we get this kind of, uh, I'm not going to say it's like in your face, but like there's, you have her white dress. And then once she gets to the end of the aisle, you kind of have the lamb that shoots out. So it's kind of like the lamb mm-hmm. to the slaughter kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Totally. Where it was like, yep. Totally. And they went kind of like metaphorically and then they threw the lamb in going, wow. Ah! and it creates like a sort of that dream space mm-hmm. like wait a second i'm not yes. in reality why is there a lamb there totally it's one of those and things that like on your first viewing you'd be like what the fuck and then when you see it again you'd be like oh because this is a dream it's dream <laughs> right kind of stuff and we do get this kind of like interesting how it shot kind of cat and mouse in the boiler room and 
little tidbit. The boiler room um, was actually filmed in the basement of an actual prison, and then right short, like actually shortly after they finished filming, like the immediately, there, immediately <laughs> it got closed down due to asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like you're all done. Good, because we need to close Good, this. We gotta place close down. this shit down. Dude. This is fucking terrible. Like, uh, we also kind of get a um, a really interesting kind of curveball really f- early on in the film is that our bad guy talks and our bad guy has a mm-hmm. maniacal laugh and you can hear whispering of her name. Um, and as Tina's trying to find an escape, uh, Freddie kind of jumps out and we get our first samples of some like really interesting direction um, for uh, direct, like uh, shot wise and also kind of like actor wise is that Tina has this weird scene kind of in par with the lamb where she's trying to run away from Freddie, but mm-hmm. she's almost doing it like slow-mo and you feel that she's not getting any traction. And that was oh, right. intentional. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. like, you know, nightmares, like you kind of are trying to run and then like, you're just not moving at all. Exactly. It's that, a classic yeah. nightmare. Mm-hmm gimmick and a great way to visualize it that's my normal it, dream i can't run for shit in my dreams <laughs> oh my god or like you turn Speed a corner walking. and you end that's up right where it started right so i have like, this sorry random yeah, thought you know, i have this weird thing in my dreams when i need to start running like fast i'll run on all fours <laughs> <laughs> you get and traction almost, with your hands exactly oh i'll almost use my hand to grab it. myself and launch forward more and like yeah ah, yeah oh imagine l- little me running See, around <laughs> i get that though on all fours just run just try to skitter skittering around that's how i try to get away from freddy Krueger. <laughs> just on all fours like yeah scram so she gets quartered by Freddy and then uh, jumps up from behind her and kind of grabs her. And then we kind of get the uh, uh, the first inclination that it's more than a dream because when she wakes up by her... God, okay, just as... All the parents in this fucking movie suck. And, like, more so than general slashers. Like, there's, like, just blatantly idiot parents... And then all of every parent in this film is a shitbag. And it's just really funny. I don't know. You I think like a t- uh, Glenn's parents aren't bad, right? Um, no, okay. I mean, if I were terrible. them, I would also not want him dating that girl. <laughs> totally. Totally. I think what did him in was the um, uh, taking the phone off of the hook. Probably was not the best idea at that. Because he, like, hangs up on her and then rips the th- Yeah. I mean, okay, not dicks. I'm not all dicks, but they're portrayed very weirdly in this film. I blame them. I blame them. But Tina wakes up and she finds that her nightgown has been slashed in the front with her mother saying either cut your fingernails or stop that dreaming, which is really funny. They like you walk in and there's just like 10 inch like slices Mm -hmm. in the front. of No, just cut your nails. It'll be totally fine. Just go back. to. I got to go bone this dude who I just met. So just go back to. Okay, just go back to sleep. You're fine. We get our uh, kind of a nice little sub kind of like sprinkle on there. Um, we get the classic ominous Freddy lullaby as our main troop of characters. So these little girls. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. With the jump rope in slow-mo happen. I think it's like three times in the film. Um, and uh, we kind of get that Freddy lullaby uh, as uh, Glenn, who's as we said, is uh, Johnny Depp's 
uh, first major motion picture. Uh, Nancy Tina are met by the horny at all times Rod, uh, <laughs> who is <laughs> like Rod's character, man, um, is fucking weird. Um, I actually, okay, yeah, so I, I actually, it, gotta, it, uh, it's in the name. I'm right, in, right. They put uh-huh. the sort of horny pervert into totally. the name. And there's already dick jokes. There's huge, like, you know, there's already oh, just like uh. dick jokes and just like, fuck you, I'm out of here. Um, I actually love the dick joke because he's like, yeah, I woke up with a boner in your name on it. He's like, yeah, right. Your boner is too small to fit my name on it. <laughs> it's only four. Yeah, it's four letters. It's, yeah, that one was actually pretty good. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> so they're all kind of getting to school. They're all describing having bad dreams. Um, and it reminds them of the lullaby that they used to sing as kids which conveniently we just heard 15 seconds ago, so we know exactly what they're talking Mm -hmm. about. Did you read where that lullaby, who wrote that lullaby? I have it in my factoids, but if you have it on hand right now, I would love to I do. uh, Shoot. The lady who plays Nancy, whatever her name is. Her boyfriend at the time wrote that. Interesting. Right? And they use it for for you. No, so there's some really uh, there is some really fun tidbits in here because like Wes kind of gave some really cool creative control to certain people uh, when it came to certain different effects. Sometimes with the score, which um, just proves oh, how awesome Wes is. So we get the uh, after sc- of course now because Tina is not sleeping well and Nancy's trying to be a really good friend. Uh, Glenn tags along and they have a after school huge sleepover over at Tina's because Tina's mom's out of town. Um, Dude, the boombox gag with Johnny Depp is so fucking funny. Like, the first time uh, seeing that as a kid was just, like, so good. And it made me like these mm-hmm. kids. I think Wes does a really good, um, not, not nod, but he, he directs his actors well enough that you really do feel for them, even in the short amount of time. Like, some of these really mm-hmm. funny comedic bits that he throws in there really help to his character development. And this is a, that one is a really good example, because Johnny plays it perfectly. I agree. And what's funny is, though, watching it this time was the first time I watched it from the parent perspective. Being like, oh, one day my kid's going to be trying to trick me with some bullshit like, like goddamn this. Goddamn boombox. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, no, they're totally trying to do that. With just machine guns in the background and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was like, the other thing. I was like, if that if that was the next thing I heard, I'd be like, I'm coming over there now to right get now. you. I'll be there in like two minutes. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It was the 80s. Machine gun <laughs> totally. fire was going off constantly. Parents weren't caring. As long yeah, as you were so, out of the house doing something. They, yeah, you know. It was the Reagan era. But, it was totally fine. <laughs> so Tina describes Freddie almost to a T to Nancy. And then they all kind of have this realization that they're both dreaming about the same person. Uh, they I love hear, that. yeah, which is, I like, love how that's set up. It's so like scary. What a scary concept to be yes. like, wait, the guy in your nightmares is the guy in my nightmares. Like that would, I would lose my shit totally. if that happened. <laughs> and that dialogue between the two worked out really, really well too, because it happens organically where it's just like, no, it's just, oh shit, this, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. We're actually dreaming about the same person. Mm hmm. So they hear something outside, and lo and behold, it is uh, can't put four letters on his dick rod. That's actually how I put it in my notes. Just because that dick joke was so good, I had to write it further down the line. <laughs> <laughs> so in all classic teen slasher movies, Rod and Tina decide to patch things up by boning each other uh, in her mom's 
bedroom while oh, yeah. Cockblock Glenn gets to listen to them achieve the elusive simultaneous orgasm. Yes, and doesn't he say something about, like, what's Glenn's quote right there? He says, like, I hate morality or something yes. like that. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is he in, uh, what's her name, Nancy? She's, like, in a... She's not even there with him at this point. They're, like, in totally separate rooms. Just... Totally separate rooms. He's sleeping on the couch, <laughs> and she's in uh, Tina's room. Because you can tell yes. because it's got the cross in the background. Right. I understand they're not going to, like, hook up or anything. I guess maybe it's just oh, no, stop no, 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 temptation. No, 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 she's, no, she is, <laughs> she has shut that shit directly down, and she's not even trying to do heavy petting. She has moved this guy directly onto the couch. Like, there is no do not pass go. Though She's there for Tina, and she said that to Glenn. Mm-hmm. That's true. After Rod and Tina patch things up, they both take a snooze. And uh, we kind of get lulled right back into the dreamscape. Uh, and here's where we get a real fucking first look at Freddy, uh, the demon of dreams, as Tina goes to investigate noises outside. Uh, we also get, like, the fucking super rad, creepy as fuck Freddy coming out of the wall above Nancy's head. Mm-hmm. Oh, so classic. So, yes. good. so good. It, the way it's it shot. never gets old. Dude, yeah. it's fucking... <laughs> That was a th- I, that was something I feel like remember seeing that on the rewatch in the theater and being like was just, that just oh mind felt that's big oh I bet that would be really dope. cool totally. to see. because because yeah. in the because in the even in the DVD and the VHS it's probably a little better now with like 4K and Blu-ray and the size TVs are now but like the um when you first saw that scene it's it's shot very dark so you kind of just have that push through so you can kind of see the top of his head and kind of him kind of like looming over nancy which is unsettling to begin with but then when you see it in the theaters like you see like the undershots you can see like the ripples in this dude's face you can see his like mouth and shit it's like oh whole bag of nope just oh my god terrible no brilliant brilliant just fucking outstanding so uh tina is lured into a back alley behind the house and we get stretch armstrong freddy krueger clawing both walls Mm -hmm. towards her as tina screams oh my god um so for this gag uh they actually had crew members with fishing poles above the stunt guy as he's walking down to keep his like on arms. the sides of the fences yeah. or so, yeah. so like <laughs> as to keep his it. arms going through right i know that's a gag that doesn't work for a lot of people but i've always i've been, never liked me i always kind of liked it because it's a little like disjointed it like i understand it doesn't look real but it's like dreamy so it didn't bother me <laughs> no I guess. I honestly, I'm in your camp. I don't mind the stretchy, the stretchy arms because of how ludicrous he goblin shuffles towards her after his arms go back in. Where oh, he does with like his the, the, hand, yeah, uh-huh. the way he holds his arms. Yeah, yeah, totally. super, yeah. Well, this is also the first time that you're really seeing him be kind of playful with his victims yes. and like yes. messing with them and like. He's specifically doing this to try to scare you. her. Be like, I'm going to get you. Then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you get his creeping, shuffling like, down. taunting. Like, it's very, mm-hmm. like, taunting and maniacal. And, like, he knows that, like, he's going to get you no matter what. So he gets to play with you right. before he kills you. And this is, like, that first sense of that. Specifically, um, which you bring up perfectly, is when she screams, oh, my God. And he lifts his blade up to his face with the iconic, this is God. That yeah. scene is fucking so cool. cool. 
Um, also, it. a little tidbit too is that this uh, any scene that you have with his claw scraping against metal and there's sparks shooting out, um, <laughs> they actually clamped a car battery to the glove. And as it's making contact, it's doing electrical arcs going throughout, which is just fucking crazy sparks. That's insane. <laughs> I that just learned that. Battery to that. It's amazing. It is insane. There's so much stuff that they did that is kind of like, wow, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> right. For some of the special effects. and it's, Okay. So I, there's um, one of the guys, Doyle, who worked on the film, Jim Doyle, um, he mm-hmm. talks about budgets and... This is also an insane thing, is that one of the gags in this film cost half of the budget to do. So he only had half of his proposed budget to do the rest of the special effects, Mm -hmm. which blows my mind because they're so fucking good. Like, all of these Mm -hmm. bits are so fucking good. Yeah, it doesn't cost much to hook a car battery to something. Yeah. Yeah. And (laughs) And, and this was shot in 32 days. This had a, a Willy's Wonderland level of uh shooting days i guess that's the only way they compare (laughs) (laughs) i'm actually giving more ammunition for sam just think of this yeah but as i said before uh yeah the this is god uh he goblin shuffles towards tina uh and then you get this kind of like great pov kind of like jumping evil deadish kind of like camera work that leads up to the fence uh, that she kind of slams in his face and then like goddamn Bugs Bunny he pops out of a tree that is the size of a stick and then just Mm -hmm. tells her to watch as he cuts off two of his own fingers and the green goo just starts shooting out which I thought was just a really fun weird choice for green every time he bleeds he's like all red but then every time he bleeds is green so he matches his sweater when he's like, <laughs> well, I think it's supposed to be like a rotting thing, right? Because yes, because like there's certain ones where he slaps himself. There's like maggots yeah. and shit popping out of it and stuff like that. So what's weird is the cutting off the two fingers thing. Before I always thought it was a little goofy. Pretty much every other time I saw it, but this time I was like, it kind of creeped me out. It was like, hey, check this out. Ha ha! Like I'll cut two yeah. of my fingers off. What do you think of that? Uh-huh. <laughs> well, as a parent, you wouldn't want to see your your child no. hanging around this no. man. <laughs> no. Absolutely so creepy. No, no, well, no. it also kind of gives you um, a really interesting viewpoint where you are in a dream. So how the fuck do you kill something in a dream? And you really can't because he's like maiming himself and he's laughing about it. Where you're like, how am I gonna? How do you even try to defeat something like this? Right. Mm-hmm. So she tries getting back to the house. Does she defeat free- it? spoiler alert she doesn't Uh, she tries getting back to the house Freddy tackles her and they kind of do this weird grappling thing then she rips off his fucking face and he hysterically laughs Every time I see that, I'm not prepared. I just I forget that she rips uh-huh. his entire face off. I think I do fucking, too. Cause... Oh, dude! And then when it happens, I'm like, oh shit! I told. <laughs> like every time it gets me, it's fucking great. Yeah. And then she like in that entire thing, she kind of pulls like a fucking. It looks like a sheet that it turns into the sheet on top of her face, and we're thrust back into Tina Mom's bedroom and into one of the most mind bending kill scenes in a horror movie um terrifying it's so scary this whole (laughs) thing is just oh my god Um, brutal brutal how it's shot 
how it is directed, the cinematography, the actress, uh, Amanda Wiss, is fantastic in this scene. Um, mm-hmm. It is terrifying. It is just fucked up. It is bloody. And what we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. is uh, Rod <laughs> takes the blanket off of Tina struggling in her sleep and an invisible assailant slashes directly across her chest. So you see four razor mark slices just kind of go through. She's spun in the air and then is slammed back into the bed where she proceeds to be dragged from the bed to the wall to the ceiling of the bedroom as Rod watches in existential horror and terror as he's cowering in the corner as she's just being drug and mutilated on the ceiling. And this is all leaving a blood trail and prints and stuff everywhere she's moved through. (laughs) So um, I felt it would have the man himself describe it way better than I could. So this is from a Rolling Stone interview between Craven uh, and Jim Doyle. The revolving room, this is Craven, the revolving room was based on something I had seen in a musical, Royal Wedding, where Fred Astaire does a dance number Mm. where he Mm -hmm. dances up the sides of the wall of a room and across the ceiling. I showed Jim Doyle how they had done that, and he built this gigantic room on axles, and then the set would rotate on it. It was high enough so we could have light coming through the window. It was quite unique. Doyle. Usually on revolving sets like this one, you would see uh, you wouldn't see windows because it's just really hard when you're trying to have this like spinning room to keep the same lighting pretense outside. Doing it this way gave it a sense of place. It just gave it that next level of realism, even when it was rotating. Rooms are heavier on the floor than they are in the ceiling because of the furniture load. You could technically spin it with one hand, but we'd have like four guys moving it. Two of us were pushing and two of us were pulling. So we get the marks we wanted and it had nice smooth rotation. So if you could picture like a square room with these axles kind of going all the way through, it's super weird because uh, a lot of this, um, the terror in Tina's face as... She's getting drug all the way around is actually like 70% real from an interview she had because she was terrified of bouncing around this bouncing around (laughs) on this room because like even the um, the curtains are like extra starched and almost glued down. So like you have this real she got vertigo like the second they did the first take on this (laughs) thing Mm -hmm. spinning it around because everything else is like stationary and she's just flopping. Around, so by the imagine time- being Rod just like strapped in the corner with whatever yeah. stuff to keep his hair down while he's spinning in <laughs> circles. Yeah. circles. Oh him and um, him and the cinematographer or like yeah, the other camera guy yeah, still there the on camera. It so mm-hmm. it's just yo, know, it's just insane. I thought it-, it was crazy with that room. I didn't learn till this time how you were saying how it was just like basically man powered. I guess I yeah. Didn't know why it would be something else, but I assumed it would be like machines kind of doing all this, not just like if it was machine powered, it would have saved them the trouble of the other incident with this room later on in the movie. That was how I found out it was man powered. (laughs) Yeah. So um, the only other thing, the quote I want to have from Doyle, because I thought this was just amazing, I had to I had to put it in here. Um, so Jim says, I kept the room because it cost me a lot of money. I sunk like $35,000 in that thing, and I only had like fifty-seven dollars or $60,000 budget. I was able to rent it out three times, so it paid for itself. This spinning room has also been in Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo <laughs> and Larry Cohen's The Stuff. 
The Stuff is one oh, of my... Yeah. Oh, my God. I, that's one of my favorite movies. And we will cover I've never that. even heard of it till recently. Oh, you'll love The Stuff. Mom, we'll see about that. <laughs> so, Glenn and Nancy break into the room as uh, they see Tina mutilated and mangled because from the ceiling she drops as this like slush pop onto the bed which they actually had to cut down a little bit because they like i think the mpa only gave two scenes which was like a drop and half of a splatter the original scene has her <laughs> dropping and just like a fucking like cannon of blood just splatters on top of rod uh. as he freaks out so rod uh i would probably say realistically does probably what I would have done in that situation was just scream profusely and dive out the window. So, uh, yeah, Rod's out in the middle of the night and, um, he's gone. <laughs> fucking gone, dude. And, uh, and then Glenn and Nancy come and they're like, Oh, I don't know. Oh. Do you, do you feel like the reaction should have been bigger? <laughs> um, yes. I, I mean, think... I guess you could say it was shock. But... I was going to say, I think it was more shock, but as our, mm. There's a lot of scream queens. Heather's like Heather Langkamp. I I guess would be like more. She's not really a scream queen. Like she doesn't have a lot of like like if Jamie Lee Curtis was in this film, the second she would have knocked through that door, she would have just screamed profusely. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. Where like I feel like I don't know. It's it's on character for her, but I would have liked a little more of a reaction. I guess because it's not like oh shit. Oh yeah, just oh, like shit. as a human. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is unfortunate. This what the fuck? What the fuck? We now get introduced to uh, you're gonna you guys remember him from Black Christmas? Our favorite mm-hmm. cop, John Saxon, is yeah. Lieutenant Thompson and also mm-hmm. Nancy's dad. Return uh, of the sax. Yeah. Return, Return of, of the sax. Once again. Return of the sax. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, anytime John Saxton is in a film, a lot of teenagers die. So, um, I think someone might, someone might want to look into that. I think we found the killer. I think we found the killer. Hank, hank, wink, wink. Yeah, and he proceeds to uh, grill the ever-living shit out of his own daughter. And uh, Nancy explains that she saw this, uh, saw kind of it coming as someone in her dream was trying to kill her, which her dad just completely dismisses as complete horseshit. So the next morning, can we talk about the fact that Tina is only supposed to be fucking 15 in this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. We can so talk these about ki- that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought I, oh, man, I thought they were older. Cause there's a joke later on in the film where she goes, Oh my God, I look like I'm 20. And it's a joke because she is 20 and she's trying to portray someone younger. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that if they're all in the same classes together, um, these are all 15-year-olds dealing with a child murderer trying to kill them, which I think is like mm-hmm. also very interesting and different because when you have slashers like this, they don't necessarily – like there are high school students, but a lot of them are based as like high school seniors. Like there's like there's this weird right. like 17, 18. It makes a really different right. weird somehow, level that these kids are 15. 15 is somehow mm-hmm. – right. I agree with you. There is a – there tends to be – for whatever reason, a line drawn there with 
victims in horror movies. Totally, totally. Like, there's almost like he's... But it also gives a little more validity to the creature that is Freddy Krueger, is that he is actually still kind of killing children. I mean, they're 15, but they're still, like, Mm -hmm. I know they're teenagers, but they're still more towards the kid's side. So we... um, The new, we picked that up from the news uh, while uh, Nancy's mom is having a little bit of a morning mommy pick-me-up. And uh, this woman has vodka the entire film. The entire <laughs> film. Uh, and a clearly, uh, clearly fucking traumatized Nancy is chugging coffee and heads to school. Surprise! Rod grabs her while she's trying to go to school and proclaim his innocence. Mm. And a double fucking whammy is that her father used her as bait and Rod is arrested. Yes, um, yes. Poor Rod. Just to ridify, yeah, the parents are just shitty in this movie. I like, oh, my daughter's really traumatized and she's uh, chugged about 50 gallons of coffee and uh, my alcoholic ex-wife isn't doing anything to help her out. I'll use her as bait to catch this kid with no shoes. I <laughs> killer to catch. Yeah, and they, I mean, they, these people, I guess, are always probably, they know what they did to Fred. So they're, yeah. they're, they're and on that is edge. Actually, that's a really that's, good, honestly, yeah. that's a really good point because a lot of the parents that are portrayed in the Nightmare on Elm Street are, I can't even talk, sorry. The parents that are portrayed in Nightmare on Elm Street throughout the entire series really are shitty. And like, I mean, God, even getting to like Freddy's dead where they really mm-hmm. drive it home, where, like, it's all the, can you be our children? We can't have children here anymore. Like, they're just this level of shit Then kind of resist, like, the kids get affected by Freddy by getting killed in their dreams, and I feel like the curse has been spread to their parents so that the parents just become just vastly shitty in this town. Oh, I thought, because uh, Brian had brought up the uh, parents... We know what they did to Freddie. I thought it was going to be like maybe the mom's a drunk and they're divorced now because, like, after they killed this guy, like, it sent oh, them totally. spiraling. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, would, I mean, I think there's a lot of residual stuff that came off of the murder of Fred Krueger. And I think that's a really good nod where she became an alcoholic to deal with it. And I think they divorced probably because of it. It's not something I ever thought before. I just. Kind of thought they sucked, <laughs> yeah, but now no, I'm totally. like, oh, maybe, maybe they're scarred from their Freddy history. I my bet would be absolutely, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. I think the entire town's fucked up uh, from this point on. So uh, way before Insidious, uh, we find Nancy's school teacher, uh, Lynn Shay, <laughs> who she plays the clip. Yeah, she. Oh, I forget what her name is in the in the Insidious I, I movies. I don't know. Yeah, but I was—I I actually, what's really funny, had completely did not catch that until I rewatched it for this recording. I was like, oh, I wonder if she sees demons in a weird smoke mask. Uh, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have either. I actually didn't even catch it then. I think I caught it by watching, rewatching that Netflix, how they made this movie for A Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street. It's awesome. So uh, we get Nancy kind of dozing off. Um, I like, there's a lot of really fucking cool nod, like things that I like in this scene. I like when she is nodding out while the poem's being kind of like said out loud by one of the students. 
but I like as she's drifting into a dreamland, his voice gets more and more like monotone and weird Mm -hmm. and raspy, but Mm -hmm. he's still finishing the quote, which I think is really fucked up and super weird. Oh, it's super cool. It was the first time that aspect of it really... Totally. I, I thought it was cool. It's a really cool way of, um, on a really low budget, to really transition between the waking world and you know, dream world and having those kind of like subconscious nods where the audience is like, oh, okay, this is really unsettling. I don't, I don't like any right. of this. And mm-hmm. they shouldn't because uh, we see Tina in a body bag in the hallway which is fucking real weird. Seeing that on the screen scared the shit out of me because, like, it's just like the makeup they did on her was fantastic. Uh, and then she kind of follows the body bag, and it's in the hall. And this is uh, the gag's done by uh, a same kind of like the fishing line wire, but then her legs co up, and this invisible force just starts mm-hmm. dragging the body bag through the high school hall. Which is I just, like that her arm falls back when her legs lift up, too. There's something about that that just gives it this extra sort of, like, grossness to it. I don't yeah. know how this else to almost put sort it. Of like, like, yeah, exactly. Picking it up this dead body as a means to taunt the person that's watching it yeah. just adds to that, I feel like, too. Super, dude. Also, the amount of blood, too, because this was um, it was done with a stunt woman, and this was done in one take because Wes couldn't fathom trying to clean up that much blood to reshoot it. <laughs> so he's like, we're getting it in one take, and they did. Probably said that a lot. <laughs> you know that yeah. scene in Scream where he's the janitor cleaning up? That was him still cleaning up the blood. Blood hey. for always hey. yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, look at this wow <laughs> yeah dude nancy takes a quick hallway turn as she knocks over girl freddy hall pass monitor uh who just starts randomly bleeding from her face and goes straight to the high school or should i say prison's boiler room uh here's where we get our first real like cat and mouse with nancy and it's real gross he's real gross guys like i think the more i watch this first version of freddy like, the mm-hmm. more he's fucking gross. And I think that's a really mm-hmm. a different aspect to a slasher that wasn't presented. Like, obviously, there's, like, gross-out moments with certain, like, Jason Voorhees's or... I mean, not really with Michael Myers, but, I mean, like, no. he's fucking gross. Like, he's doing that... Yeah. Ugh. It's yeah. just that, like, oh, God. I mean, the Ugh. reason he was killed in the first place was because he was a child molester. Here's a really interesting factoid about what you just brought up, Brian, is that originally in the script, he was a child molester, but there were hmm. so many huge landmark cases that hit the media when this film was coming out that they decided to not blatantly say he was a child molester and said he was a child murderer and then certain aspects of that character like in the remake they really pushed the molesting part huge on that remake character right and they had different nods of it throughout the sequels but he i mean it's it's literally like the diet coke version of what they're trying to say and it still kind of comes out the fact that he's like obviously you if you can think about it like the guy's also a child molester murderer but when all this stuff was coming out they had to actually have the distinction where it's no 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 he just murders them he's just murdering them he just murdered a bunch of children <laughs> oh, he, Which, well, i mean like 
Yeah. Well, which why way, did they decide to change it? Um, because of what kind, what happened during the uh, when this film was being made, there was a number of huge landmark allegations that had been coming out that were in trial. And Wes of felt what? child huge molesting? child molestation stuff. Yeah, there was like I don't know if there was something like they didn't go into. Uh, West never went into the specifics of the court cases, but there were some. It was just like ones. child molesting was in the news at the time, so huge, they were like, huge. Yeah, and there was like a bunch of massive cases. Against want people, people to like this guy? <laughs> let's make him only murder them. <laughs> well, it's actually what he said is that he didn't want anybody feeling that he was making money or profiteering off of the suffering uh, of the real world events going on at the time. So he was mm-hmm. like, because well, originally Freddy Krueger was supposed to be a child molester because he was like, what's the worst thing I could possibly think of a human being? Okay. Sure. This is who, like, this is why these parents killed him, all that kind of stuff. But then when all these real world things started happening, he's like, I don't want to be, he didn't want to be perceived as a ghoul profiting Got off it. of real world shit. That makes sense. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you, Wes. So we see Kruger pull up his shirt, which is really oddly funny because, like, I didn't realize it's not burned until, like, a few viewings into it. Is that it's totally normal-ass chest that he kind of cuts into that bleeds like maggoty goo. And uh, we kind of get another really good... Really? I don't think I've ever noticed that. (laughs) Yeah. It's really weird. I mean, there's some subtle ones about Freddy in the first film where, um, like, the striping pattern that's on his sweater um, goes... Mm -hmm. Uh, doesn't go onto his sleeves. His sleeves are one color, and then his chest is all of the corresponding like bars. And then in the sequels, right. they extended those kind of going down. And then in this one, he's a little more like um, sinewy. Like it's like th- it took about three hours to put on the makeup for him uh, mm-hmm. on and off every single time. And this one, he's like a little more um, gooey. I guess would be the best way to put it. Yeah, I like it better. Like some of the later ones, it's like. Lame. <laughs> it's like polished burn. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's just like kind of rubberized. Totally. Mm-hmm. And this one, it just, it just makes him look grosser, I think, honestly. Yeah, agreed. So, again, we kind of get this like really weird, um, kind of like taunting back and forth where it's like, again, like this guy really likes to toy with his food before he eats it, kind of thing, where he um, kind of pins Nancy in in an area and she's trying to like differentiate like this is a dream this is a dream and then burns her own arm uh, on a pipe next to it to wake herself up so uh no surprise uh she wakes up screaming and the classroom fucking shits itself like (laughs) and then I like Uh, yeah I would (laughs) yeah (laughs) I also like the fact that afterwards she goes no it's I'm fine everything's fine. I'm just going to go now. I'm just, I know the way home. And you're just like, this is like what I would do too. (laughs) Totally. Just walk it off. Like, okay, this is mm -hmm. all right. This is, this is totally fine. I'm leaving. I'm out. Goodbye. You should go to the nurse and be like, no, I'm going home. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going directly home. Um, But as she's leaving, she actually notices the burn on her arm. And (gasps) that wound (laughs) came into the real world. Which is... uh, It's real. It's real. So with that, she goes to visit Rod in jail and gets... Try to get the the entire story. And they kind of connect the dots on that the man from all of their dreams is somewhat... Somehow coming after them. And they're all experiencing the same nightmare. But to what end? That's... Right. That's when she realizes that Rod is having... Had... Has had dreams about him as well. About Freddy as well. Mm -hmm. So it's... And starts to, you know... 
believe him that he didn't do it. Totally. And then, yeah, that, that, I really like that acting scene from Heather where it's like, you gotta believe me. And she's like, I do. Like that kind of mm-hmm. like, she kind of has that grim realization that like, okay, there's something a little more than like Rod probably did not kill Tina. And if I'm experiencing this and he's experiencing this, like this is way crazier. Then we get, if you didn't like the ocean and you thought you had solitude in the bathtub, uh, you don't. We get the mm. super creepy, unnerving bathtub scene, which, yes, um, God, all of these dream sequences, dude, are just so fucking well shot. Um, this gag has Nancy kind of like sitting on top of the special effects guy who's in a scuba suit. And he was completely blind during this. So Wes Craven had to patiently tell him to keep on reshooting because he couldn't see where his hand was going. So in the classic scene, Nancy is taking a bubble bath to try to like calm down and kind of like decompress after all this heavy shit and falls asleep. So in an homage to Jaws, we get the razors of his claw coming out of the bubble bath between her legs and start reaching towards her face. Um, and that's the scene in particular that uh, the stunt guy that was underneath in scuba gear with the Freddy Krueger claw couldn't find the trajectory. So apparently they had to film that like a two dozen times to get it accurate where he went up and out. The guy who did that, it was, it was not a stunt guy. It was the prop guy, that gym something that made that room. That's oh, the Doyle. guy who was yeah, in yeah. the bathtub. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, he, he had a scuba diving license. So he was able to, and like, he's like, he's like, yeah, I hold my breath all the time. It's like absolutely completely fine. So the scene, uh, the mom kind of knocks on the door. We get the, uh, she kind of like wakes up, kind of hops back down. And then she gets sucked into the infinite black lagoon under the bathtub when she falls back asleep. And, uh, so so both bathtub bits are like so scary. (laughs) So, so scary. Um, and the bathtub, the abyss scene was actually filmed in a pool, uh, with limited light source, and then the woman inside of it was, I think, one of Doyle's assistants. It was an assistant to someone who later okay. actually married the cameraman that was doing the filming at the time, and apparently they're still married today. It's just like uh, the dolphin lady married her cameraman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah just like it. Like, yeah, there, I mean, I hope there wasn't a dolphin in that lagoon. Oh, you never know. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which you can check that out in uh, Peter the Party Dolphin in the My Bloody Valentine episode. Ooh, yeah. Plug it. She wakes up. Mom breaks in at the same time with a fucking coat hanger, which is real fucking crazy. She kind of like half sloppy, <laughs> drunkily kind of just starts stabbing a coat hanger into the door to try to like break into it. Uh, and then in classic... Nancy Mo, she's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm I'm fine. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. I just tripped screaming just for two minutes straight while my mother frantically tried grabbing a doorknob. So, like most teenagers, uh, and uh, also some kids from uh, Saved by the Bell, uh, she turns to uppers because she opens up the medicine cabinet and gets the no-dose fast-awake pills. <laughs> what do you think? Because we'll, we'll see what ha- we've seen what's happening in the dream and then kind of what's happening in real life. What was Nancy dreaming she was drowning in her bathtub and therefore was drowning in her bathtub? Or how did so how does the like logic of that work? He's okay, so he's pulling on her leg 
trying to drown, kill her, or stab her. But there's this weird thing halfway through the film where he's like... Yeah, because he's dragging her under the water. And like he's like... We see her? We see... Freddy? Uh, Yeah, like beneath her? Yeah. I mean... I don't know if oh, we directly see it, but that's fire. definitely what's implied. If yeah, we don't yeah, no, she's see like it. struggling, and you can see Freddy in the water with him. Or so with that, her, whoa. So while he's theoretically <laughs> pulling her down, so I guess while she's asleep, she's drowning in the yeah. bathtub. Because there's two different kind of murders logic. that Freddy does. Freddy either kills blatantly, like in Tina's aspect. Or he covers up his murders to make them look like other things, like Rod in the jail scene. So, like, I think right. What so, he was how does he? To, so, do, she was. So now that bath. makes me question the Rod dreaming thing. Like, what was happening there that made the noose out of the sheet? <laughs> yeah, that one's a little bit. I'd say a little bit more stretch. Because I mean, well, no, that's some. That's again, that's. Freddy can sometimes kind of interact with the real world. Yeah. So that, I feel like weird. things are a little bit loose there because, yeah, it's like, yeah. how was in the dream the sheet able to be affected to strangle him, right? Yeah. As oh, opposed yeah. to, like, in the he dream, breaks... Freddy actually slashing you, rips you open. I think right. it's, like, by the power of... Because, I mean, obviously they talk about it later down the road that he's, like, collecting these souls. And he's, like, they're parts of him and his victims give him more power by their fear. And And at this point, I don't think that would have been... No, 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 totally. But you see the break in reality during the death scenes, primarily. So, like, they start bleeding in towards the latter end of the film because, like, he's she's a When Nancy's wide awake and gets the phone call from the phone that's unplugged, like... Then you realize that the more he's been killing, the more he's breaching into the real world without her having to be asleep. Which is I, not an aspect that I don't think they actually but pushed. she is asleep then, yeah, isn't, isn't she? she asleep? Yeah. When the phone rings the second time with the tongue, no, she's wide awake. She's but wide awake and, giant, and Glenn is asleep. When, and, she, and Glenn dies. She... Well, she's we'll talk away. about it when we yeah. we'll talk about this when we get to that. When we get to that I point. disagree. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, she's def she's definitely. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it at that time because there's <laughs> well, speaking, no way that's true. Speaking, uh, speaking of um, trying to uh, stay awake, um, Nancy watches Evil Dead, which is such a good choice when you're trying to stay up late at night. Love it. Evil Dead is a fantastic choice. Craven added the nod to Sam Raimi's film because Raimi had previously included a poster of Craven's second film, The Hills Have Eyes, in a scene in Evil Dead. Uh, Raimi eventually returned wow. the favor after this movie came out by hiding Freddy's mm-hmm. glove in a scene in the tool shed in Evil Dead 2. Yes. Yeah. So cool. I didn't this, know like, The Hills cool Have Eyes thing. part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then something there... There's some more things that happen between them, a little bromance through little, little nods in movies. I like that. Yeah, my guys. Like, so much fun. It's also really fun when you could just do that and other people like just ping ponging back and forth, be like, "Oh no, you're gonna be a nice guy. Well, I'm gonna be a nice guy and do this for you." <laughs> totally. So Glenn comes to surprise her through the window and kind of talk about what happened in English class, and she looks in the mirror and she says, "The God I look like 20 years old," which is the joke. Of just like her mm-hmm. acts, because Heather at the time was twenty years old. I figured that's what it had to had to be, have been. 
(laughs) (laughs) So uh, Nancy gets the bright idea to ask Glenn to stand guard as she sleeps so she can see if she can try to find someone in the dreamscape. So uh, she kind of falls asleep. Well, you're not 100% sure if she falls asleep or doesn't fall asleep. She's asleep. Nancy's outside of her house and starts walking. And uh, she gets to the end of her street and um, asks, like, are you still still there? And then Glenn... (laughs) Kind of like Michael Myers darts out of a tall bush and goes like, yeah, I'm right here. Don't even worry about it. And then just ducks back behind a bush, which I just, I, that whole I thought it was segment. a big tree. Either way, I feel like that's when you're like, oh yeah, she is asleep. She fell asleep. We're in dreamland now. Yeah, we're in deep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if you weren't sure. <laughs> so we, uh, we kind of, uh, the, the way that she's going leads her directly to the police precinct and walks up to, lo and behold, the window of Rod's holding cell. And guess mm-hmm. who's got a visitor pass? Freddy does, Ooh. because he waltzes directly Ooh. into the place and, like, Terminator 2 style, merges through the bars. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which I think that that effect actually surprisingly, I think, holds up pretty well. Oh, yeah. Um, it's also really more menacing because he's doing direct eye contact with Nancy the entire time. Like, he's fucking with her, knowing that she's mm-hmm. watching him do this. Which is that? <laughs> uh, and then he kind of starts grabbing Rod's bed sheets, but he wakes up just in the nick of time. At this point, Nancy kind of turns around and reels in the fact that she sees Tina again in the body bag, but this time to uh, Amanda Wiss, who plays Tina's dismay because she fucking hated the scene uh, with live centipedes. Yeah, sorry, live centipedes and actual live eels inside of that fucking body bag. Was so gross. Yeah, yeah, I bet that would be. So was that actually her mouth? Because it's like a clo- a zoom kind it's of a, a close up in. shot. I, I think don't of when know the centipede if it's comes out. Specifically, her. Mouth I hope it wasn't. Scene. Yeah, poor girl. But she was not happy about that scene. Yeah. <laughs> she was pretty adamant about that. And something else, I just realized these body bags. I get cinematically, it's better for them to be clear. But isn't the whole point of a body bag? Not to see what's inside it. (laughs) You know what's really interesting about it? Because this movie was so low budget. um, That actual body bag is a real morgue bag. One of the prop guys went to a morgue and got a extra body bag from a morgue. Creepy. And they picked, they did pinhole punctures in it so she could breathe. And they used an actual morgue body bag for this scene. That's not a, like, that's not like a... Fictitious made of that you'd be able yeah. to that they would make body bags that way. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. It's like, well, this way you don't have to open to see who's inside. <laughs> Keeps the freshness in. Keep that freshness <laughs> in. Oh my god. Be able to yeah. identify it. You won't be able to let the light in. You gotta see light all the light. It helps break up the bacteria. So she calls out for Glenn, but gets Freddy instead. Uh he goes for her as uh, she kind of like pulls it back up to the house. Um she tries going up the stairs and uh, in this scene, um, which is done beautifully, it's pancake mix and oatmeal. Her feet start dissolving into the stairwell as she's trying to get up the stairs mm-hmm. simultaneously while Fred's trying to break in while wearing Tina's face as a mask. Which that <laughs> I is, think that's so yeah. funny. Right? <laughs> that he rips it off. So funny. He's got her voice. Now that that stare oatmeal thing is another controversial, often maligned bit from the movie. Mm-hmm. What do, do you guys have any particular? In terms of on? what? What do you mean? What's it? What's interesting Just like about looking like shit and not really working? Oh, hi. Okay, so. Um, 
from what I read up, uh, Wes actually didn't direct this sequence. Um, I think one of the producers did. He did not. Yeah, yeah, correct. One of the producers did do this because he had a consistent dream that a beast was chasing after him. And as he tried running away, his feet would literally get stuck like a glue trap. And then he would have mm-hmm. this like panic attack while this thing tried eating him. So he told that to Wes. It was like, it's kind of better than what we were planning. So if you want to throw that in there, like shoot it how you'd want to shoot it. And they wind up doing it. Honestly, I thought Wes hated it and didn't want it in the movie is what I thought they said. There's a few things. The end scene. This one may be part of that cluster, but the actual ending of the film was pretty oh, yeah. much pushed really? by the studio. Totally. This one may be as well. Honestly, I, th- I find I this like funny. it. It always like worked it. for me, but I know yeah. some people I, like think think it's just like the worst. I've no, heard it see, like made fun of often. <laughs> I get why they would put it in the film for the fact that during a dream sequence, I think it's really good, shy of the Freddy gags, to have set gags to kind of lure you into the fact that you're in a dream sequence. And I feel that the mm-hmm. stairs, that stairwell works out really well for that. I like it. I like the nightmare logic of it. It's the same with the running and the Tina's dream in the opening um, yes. of just like trying to get away but not being able to. Absolutely. So she gets to her own bedroom where Glenn is completely asleep and tries to tell herself it's just a dream. Freddy fucking breaks on through to the other side and just as her alarm clock goes off and fucking, dude, Heather was so good at the scene. She's so mad at Johnny Depp because, like, she almost just got fucking killed and she's just like, oh, I'm going mm-hmm. to get you. She's like Macho Man Randy Savage style, like, oh, no. Oh, Glenn, no. So she convinces Glenn to go to the jail to visit Rod. As they argue, kind of to try to see him, uh, his sheets like a snake wrap around his neck and hang him before that they can come and save him. So Mm -hmm. this whole, most of this scene with the snaking sheet was actually shot in reverse. So it's like around him and then they slowly untie it around him and then take it off screen. So when you reverse the film, it looks like it's like writhing up him and then kind of like killing him. Now I have all sorts of brand new questions about how this shit works, but whatever. I still, I mean, I love the movie. (laughs) Well, no, yeah. I mean, I love it too, but it does bigger ask the questions of like i've always thought about this scene in particular because it's yeah so freddie can interact with just like random objects in the world as law like with you as well so like he's right able to grab the bed sheet and Mm -hmm. choke you out with it i mean i like again we understand that like his claws on his hand could cut you and tear you open right that affects you in real life but it's still not some sort of poltergeisty aspect to it throwing tina around the room right kinda. right like but that's still controlling the person that's asleep and not a physical right. object in the real world that has no asleep or not asleepness no, no to totally it. right I, how does he know there's a sheet right there to do that with what if he was sleeping in the grass somewhere how does freddie know what the, his surroundings are totally. unless he was dreaming about sleeping in the jail cell and freddie was like i'm gonna turn into a snake and there was some sort of snake freddie as a sheep killing it (laughs) Um, yeah no there are certain aspects of this film that i feel that because they touch on it in in other sequels is that as he's killing more he's gaining more power so as the body again though i don't really want to refer to 
sequels for what's Oh no, I'm just saying as the film one. progresses his powers get more and more outlandish. So at least that's just at least an idea that running through this original content mm. is that every time he's killing someone as we get to like say Glenn towards the end of it, it's fucking off the rails. I mean, dude, the mom sequence is off the rails. Uh, so at Rod's funeral, she kind of tells her parents the description of the killer, and they're both fucking pretty... Yeah, they're pretty alarmed by it. Uh, Mom's had enough of the bullshit and takes her to a fucking sleep specialist. And uh, I like I like this whole sequence of the sleep specialist because this is very close to the examination in The Exorcist, mm-hmm. where they take very scientific, logical things that would be in our real world and trying to juxtapose them on supernatural problems. And I do like the idea of the, uh, in real time, seeing her going into deep sleep, talking about how, like, certain parts of dreaming are still to this day kind of just not, at least at the time of the movie being made, not really mapped out. I thought that was funny. The doctor has a funny line. He's like, to be honest, it's all magic and mystery or something like that. <laughs> totally, <laughs> Oh, thanks, doctor. (laughs) So what am I paying you for? (laughs) What? So, um, yeah, she goes, she has a, she has a sleep and the chief fucking has a crazy ass nightmare, but, uh, kind of good on her. She gets a few cuts on her arms, but that motherfucker, she grabbed his fedora right off of his head. And yes, this is when we learned something very important. Yeah. Because, uh, like most people, uh, people, uh, right the their name in their fedoras i don't know i've never owned a fedora so i don't know if it's yeah, like protocol sure write your name in most it most child murderers write would their write name their own names yeah. just their like hat. children write their names and they like yeah you had this collection of hats and it was like they all had other people's names in them so he had to write his own name <laughs> in it that makes sense yeah you know, 20 uh, some odd dead kids hats this man's name is fred krueger then Nancy calls her mom a fucking drunk, and uh, at that point her mom's like, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Okay, yeah, yeah, Kruger was a real person. I mean, if we think about, okay, so if this movie came out in 84, and Freddy was mm-hmm. killing, what, 20 years before then-ish? If the kids knew his... 15-ish? Well, so the parents are like, we all got together and killed him. All us parents got together and killed him. Yeah. But if she's like 15... That happened then, before she was born, though, or yeah, after. No. So were they not parents no. yet? Were they kids, too, when they did this? Like, Yeah, so I, I think it's it's 20 kids got murdered by Fred Krueger before the parents killed him. I'm assuming this happened a decade beforehand, where Nancy would have been, like, around five years old. Oh, this is only, like, ten years ago. Jesus Christ, okay. At least, uh, no, 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 I that, mean... That you're thinking. I'm just, I'm thinking, yeah. Cause it if, seems like it would because, have to be. It was a question I never had till now, or yeah. till this viewing. So I would but. say probably ten years, because it would put her in the age bracket of, I guess, the victimology of Freddy at that point, and... The parents were active participants in the revenge murder, so it was she would have to have been a child. Like it wouldn't have happened before uh, she was born. You know what I mean? I just got a new reason why the moms are drunk and they got divorced is she had a brother. <laughs> oh, dip. Actually, I mean, who knows? That would probably be a, a pretty interesting plot point to throw in there. Uh, hey, all you have to do is be the next person to write that movie, and now it's real, <laughs> right? Um. And then we get, oh, dude, we get Angel Johnny Depp Glenn talking metaphysical dream skills that will help Nancy later on in the movie uh, while having burgers on a bridge. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
I like Nancy's response and not really a response because she has a copy of like the fucking anarchist cookbook and is planning a level. What was it? It's like home. It's like home something, def- an anti-person, home defense yeah. Fence. strategy or something and yes. anti-personnel devices. Yes. <laughs> and you're just like, oh, fuck. I also, this is so, this is what's so cool about Nancy as uh, a lead protagonist and I guess you would cons- like not consider she is a final girl. Um, mm-hmm. She is the most proactive final oh, yeah. girl I, mm-hmm. at that she point. Goes for it. Goes yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, time. like this is like huge. Every I think that's why is- I was always drawn to it too because I thought it like as our our protagonist was very like I'm gonna like fight this yeah thing yeah that's she's fu- like all right I'm gonna was like, get him I'm gonna trap him I'm gonna kill mm-hmm. him yeah real quick. I, a quick Google search says about 1968 is when the parents of Elm Street burned him in the uh, gasoline, gasoline explosion or whatever. Okay. The only reason mm. I was trying to place it was I was like, is that a time when they were, uh, a lot of people were still wearing hats like that? And you For just probably hats. had to write your name in it. <laughs> <laughs> In in 1968, peak fedora fashion. Right, you go to the office. You're everyone's putting their hat, you know, at the entryway or something like that. You you don't want to have a good hat mix up, so you got to write your name in there. Pretty beat up fedora, it would have to be like. Right. They'd be like, nobody wants your head hat, Freddy's like, well, I'm putting my name in here anyway. (laughs) Someone might want it one day. So when Nancy gets home, she uh, gets the really weird surprise. Uh, her mom has barred every single window and made the house look like fucking Alcatraz. Yeah, that's uh, nuts. <laughs> it was that is a wild move. I still wild move. Also, it like, doesn't ring for me as to why she did that. Really, had she art? No, she hasn't told Nancy about Fred yet. Like, no, I did. At this point, she because they never. Move. I think they never recovered. At least from this film, they never recovered his body. So they, I, I think there's some weird sensation that she thinks he, she knows she's probably dead, but in the off chance that he's still alive, this is like her knee jerk reaction was to like barricade, so, like Fort Knox the house. It's a, so the mom now knows about the name Fred Krueger. Yeah, because she had t- the fedora came from Nancy sleep. doesn't hear yeah, the story. Exactly. Sure, all so, Nancy knows okay. at this point is that he was a real person. But we actually do get the truth behind it because uh, I kind of is like, well, I made your house a prison, but let me tell you why I made your house a prison. She right. leads her down uh, to the basement cellar area and kind of explains that Fred Krueger was a child killer um, who had killed roughly around 20 kids in town and then got off on a technicality. Uh, so the parents of the children slain and the parents of the town took law into their own hands. They tracked him down and they pretty much firebombed his boiler room where he lived and killed most of these kids. And then she shows him or shows uh, Nancy. Uh, she kept the glove as like a souvenir. So you got to keep the glove. Totally. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, <laughs> it's a really weird emblem to have. I don't know. It's I like, wonder why her. I just wonder why her. Like, what did? Why did she what made get her to keep it? Special? Yeah, no, for real though. Like, I would. If I was gonna make an educated guess, I need a prequel. I would Are say if they're still together, that the souvenir was the only piece of evidence that, like, not necessarily like a trophy, but evidence because the f- husband and the, Nancy's dad was still a cop. 
So I'm assuming it like the law enforcement knew what like they had he had, had done. it for some reason because yeah, of law enforcement, like, and that's why she held on to it for some reason. Yeah, something around had those access lines. Where it's to like, it. Yeah. So she calls Glenn across the street to chat and kind of just warns him just out the gate that uh, if she dies, he's fucking next. And they hatch a plan to get Freddy into the real world. But in the meantime, Glenn, just don't fall asleep. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Can we also talk about, I just love the fucking hidden coffee maker under the side fucking the table. Where the mom is like petting her and then takes all of her stuff out. And uh, all of a sudden, Nancy wakes back up and has an entire coffee maker hidden underneath her side table on her oh, yeah. bed and then pulls it mm-hmm. out. I was like, that is, oh my God, I love it. It's so like, That is funny. I never really, for whatever uh-huh. reason, I never thought about it, but that's hilarious. Every time I see it, I lose it. I was like, what the fuck? Oh my God, it's amazing. I would have done that type of shit. I remember when, like, for some reason, we had an extra microwave in the house. I was like, or we were throwing away an old one. I was like, hey, I'm going to put that in my room. And like, <laughs> now I can in my room. make popcorn in my, exactly all this like all stupid shit. Time. Or I would like hide away snacks in like a drawer or something like that. Pull it out. Be like, ha ha ha. <laughs> gotcha. Me. Yeah. Right. Oh my Little God. Badass Brian. <laughs> eating snacks in my bedroom. Fuck you, mom and dad. Yeah. <laughs> my bed's got all the crumbs. <laughs> So at midnight, she calls Glenn and fucking whoopsie do her parents pick up and uh, basically take the phone off the hook, uh, which is not looking really good for Glenn because he has his headphones on and the TV on in his own bed. Uh, Nancy gets a call right back after this happens, and it's scratching of metal on the claws going down. Uh, She rips the phone out and is about to leave when the unplugged phone rings again. She picks it up to hear Freddy say, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. As the fucking end of the receiver turns into Freddy's mouth as he tries to tongue her. Yes. So gross. So, so gross. So this is the one gag that never worked for me. This is the one that, for me, how we talked about the fishing pole arms and the yeah. stairs. This is one that, for me, I always just thought it looked kind of dumb. And <laughs> not particularly. Like, it's weird. I think the only, good. I think honestly, the only thing that sells it is Nancy's look of fucking disgust. Like that weird shock face that she has when she looks down at the bottom end of mm-hmm. the receiver is that makes it for me. The gag in and of itself is very weird. Yeah. It's just like, it's blah, just... Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, and it looks so uh, like some of the other stuff that doesn't work still kind of works for me because of the dreaminess or whatever. It can be a little, it's odd, it's off in a odd, creepy way. Yeah. And this is just, to me, is a bit goofy. <laughs> totally. A bit goofing. No. I, I, I enjoy it. I, I mean, yeah, it is a little odd, but I mean, that is certainly what starts to happen with the movies later on. So this weird right, story. but I never and liked this is, the later one. This is the weird one, Sam, kind of going back is that Nancy, I mean, obviously, if the entire film premise is a giant dream, then this kind of kicks this theory. If the entire what you cut out. Sorry, if the entire film is a dream, then it kind of nullifies this point. But at she calls Glenn's house and Glenn's parents answer. So she's awake. So when she gets the phone call immediately back, Freddy Krueger's calling from the dreamscape into the real world. 
So at this point, Nancy's not asleep. When does she fall asleep? She falls asleep later because she's trying to warn Glenn. And this is, this is, uh, she falls back asleep after she breaks the windows out. No, 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 no. Sorry. She calls her father and she calls her father to be like, I'm going to sleep. We have to make a deal. This is later on the plot, but she like, she's definitely up because she has, she calls uh, Glenn's parents. And then more importantly, after the murder, she calls her dad at Glenn's house to warn him to come to the house at 11, uh, 1230. So in both instances, she's wide awake when Freddie's lurching into the real world. I guess, I guess Let, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we need to talk further into the movie for movie me to, to understand that okay. or to not to understand it for me to disagree with you. It's not, a, it's, enough. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. <laughs> Ooh, oh, I'm excited now. Um, so midnight hits and, uh, Freddie sucks Glenn, the TV and his stereo into his own bed. And in a beautiful homage to the shining, a literal fountain of blood comes out of his bed and spills Holy onto shit. the ceiling, defying gravity itself. Gotta be one of the best, like all time memorable kills in a horror movie or totally deaths right i mean sure. it happens off screen i guess but but I, like five i i did not know about this scene going in when i first saw it and this this was definitely what set out to me like going to school on monday or whatever and being yeah. like holy shit dude <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, fantastic and we didn't even mention what he is watching that he says to his mother by the way <laughs> oh <laughs> Miss, was it, she Miss pops New- in before you know all this happens what are you watching miss nude america he goes, well, if you're not listening, how are you going to know what she has to say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those ridiculous things there. But yes, yeah. I do love, um, it's just, it's become so classic now. Yeah. All of a sudden mm-hmm. he gets sucked into the bed and you're like, well, this is bad. Everything Where's this going? Bed, Everything TV, on the bed, totally. just all yeah. por- poured into. Is this, is this a hell mouth? Oh. You know what? I would, ooh. I mean, it could. I think it's a Hellmouth and technically a gore pit. Gore pit. I was about to say it's probably a oh. gore pit too because there's yeah. quite a bit of gore that comes slushing out um, of it. Five hundred yeah. gallons of bloody water filled nice. this mm. room. So yeah. I know we it talked seems like about more than would be in a one guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, so we get a, uh, so this is actually really funny. The MPAA for this scene wanted to give the movie an X rating. And then and then Wes literally was like, well, w- what about The Shining? Like that got an R rating and that was an elevator full of blood. Mm. And they were like, mm-hmm. oh, all right, fine. You can still keep the R rating. Interesting. Um, nice. Gotcha. This yeah. gag almost killed a bunch of people because this is in the uh, in the rotating room. They have this thing entirely set up. The grips accidentally push the revolving room the wrong way, and the force of 500 gallons of bloody water started to make the room uncontrollably spin. Because <laughs> remember, they have to... Right. They're, they're doing it all themselves, so uh-huh. when they added all this water, they couldn't hold, hold it anymore. They, they tilted it the wrong way, and they couldn't overcorrect it. So it's... Okay, so this thing, it's they called it the Ferris Wheel of Carnage, or Ferris Wheel of Blood. It was just spewing blood all over the place. The force of... And they, obviously, they, they tried making it as safe as humanly possible, but the force of 500 gallons of water hit 
the secured lights on the ceiling of the bedroom and the force of it caused a leak which made it spark and electrified all of the water coming out. <laughs> and it almost yeah, killed like three people. On, like it was like a oh, hot pop shit. bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of the lights that were out. like work in that area got <laughs> shocked. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's nuts. Dude, insane. Also, what a great like, a little nod from this. Apparently two of the cameras during this sequence filled to the brim with fake blood. They had to send them back to get repaired, and they opened the cameras up, and they're like, what the fuck happened to these cameras? And they go, oh, no, it's just fake blood. You can just wash that right out. Miraculously, the film on both of those cameras survived and were used. Oh, nice. That's cool. Good, good. good. (laughs) Yeah, film drowned in blood. Okay, so we were talking about what's happening. So what's happening in these dreams versus reality or whatever. Mm-hmm. What, so what happened here? Obviously, the hole opened and the blood really filmed that room that way. What was happening in the dream? Do you think he like fell into a giant like blender that looked like you know Freddy with Freddy's face on the dial and like knife hands for like the <laughs> that's for you to blades. decide. That yeah. that was like yeah, that's for you to to input gr- green and red stripe like yeah, yeah. glass. It's the murder <laughs> of your dreams. Yeah, or your your nightmares. Like, yeah, anything could have happened to Glenn under those sheets. Who knows? I like a Freddy-shaped wood chipper, maybe. Totally. And also breaking of, like, I guess the dream fourth wall is that her, uh, her, what broke the fourth wall is Glenn's parents running into the room as this thing is still spewing out. So, like, it's the idea of, like, the dream world versus the real world, and you now have gore carnage and blood from the floor up all the way out i do like the like when the cops show up they go where's the coroner he's puking in the bathroom the body was so mangled oh Oh, you gotta have that yeah Yeah. Yeah, there's a line that i always forget about until i hear it that's when the emts come out they're pulling out the gurney and they're going inside and they're like uh, like you don't need a gurney, you need a mop. It's uh, like <laughs> just like a line amongst just, all the chaos at, all the, at the house. It's like, oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so Nancy uh, calls her dad, who's now at Glenn's house, and makes a deal with him. So he needs to show up half past midnight so he can actually catch Freddy. And her father's like, mm-hmm. all right, we'll just go get some sleep. Kind of just same thing, bullshit. Like just go to fucking sleep. Uh, at this point, Nancy turns into fucking Rambo. Um, she oh, yeah. has a legit plan. Um, she does a home alone level of practical booby traps, uh, and she is fucking over being scared. The amount of booby traps that are laid in this house, Kevin McAllister would have just she, just a just a firm handshake. Like the amount of shit that she would have put in her house was just fucking insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she read that book and was like, "Oh, I know all of this, and let's do it." Easy, yeah, done. Got it. I can do this and have time to, yeah, uh, and have time to fall asleep and get woken up. Woken uh-huh. up twenty minutes. Yep. Goes, yeah, she, that's, yeah, exactly. I have twenty minutes because she's about to conk out. Does a prayer, sets up her very weird robot alarm countdown thing on her wrist, um, and then as she kind of drifts out, she's now uh, getting lured downstairs into her cellar that turns into the boiler room by the voices of all of her friends and Freddie kind of like whispering in her ear. And we see her 
which you kind of it's I think it's supposed to be his lair because it looks like it's he where he's sleeping, but like you see all these mementos of all of her friends. So you have Tina's cross, uh, you've got Rod's switchblade, and then she picks <laughs> up Glenn's headset that's like doused in blood. Yeah, Freddy fucking uh, answers the call after being called out a few times. And uh, between the, like, there's a weird chase scene between the boiler room and the boiler room turns into her fucking front door. And then she realizes the timer's about to go off. So she fucking, like, bum rushes him and the alarm goes off. And then you have this, like, really weird scene where, like, the rose, the, the, um, it's like the fencing with the rose stuff kind of, like, drifts off of her. And she's, like, back in her bed. And she's like, fuck, I fucking didn't do it. And then peekaboo got your fucking Freddy's in the real goddamn world. Oh my god. And uh yeah, she fucking smashes his head and this dude recoils in pain. He's in the real world and he's about to get fucked up. Uh she locks him in her room and screams from across the street that he's in the house. Then Kruger goes through a comedic level of booby traps. The amount of oh, yes. booby traps this motherfucker hits in one fail swoop is insane. He does Yeah, it's like he's like the uh wet bandits on <laughs> crack <laughs> totally <laughs> sledgehammer to the groin sternum then he gets knocked over a railing onto stairs then he gets a shotgun blast through a bulb on a trip wire mm-hmm. uh, i feel like the the wet and or sticky bandits had all these same things happen to them yes and they were just humans <laughs> yes, well, <totally. laughs> apparently not i mean apparently, yeah they were this Superhuman, dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, oh my god, like, I think mo- half of these would have just killed him, right? The line of the film for me is, um, while all of this is going on, Nancy is systematically breaking most of the windows in her house and screaming at the officer who's supposed to look after the Yo. house. Yeah, it was like the most chill, Yo, <laughs> nonchalant. Maybe I should tell the lieutenant is the most insane line I could possibly think of. This girl has broken her bedroom window, the hall window, or like the... But and then... Isn't this, isn't this still a dream? No, because she woke up and pulled him out of the dream. So all but of this... did she? <laughs> I mean, but, that's but proposed with... Man? But like... Did she though? I'm serious. So I realized I I was I was incorrect with the phone part, but that's because I realized all this stuff would have actually had to have been dreaming, um, and maybe that's just part of it. Very true. Um, there could have been a point from uh, the context before midnight, leading on to the rest of the film, where Nancy could hypothetically have been asleep the entire time, and that's what we're presented. So what we're presented, what her idea of the real world versus dream world is actually, there is no difference. I totally get what I understand what you're saying because there is a certain point where the dream well, I, logic I just mean, kind of just bottoms out and Freddy's just there. Well, that, right. So he, the the cop is nonchalant and kind of weird and you're kind of like, oh, that's funny. But if it is still a dream, it would make sense because then I guess we'll keep talking through it. I don't want to <laughs> jump. Yeah, it's I mean, the also finale, the fact that like Freddy are we, lurches are we in front pretty of much like at the finale? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, like we're pretty much at the end of the movie. I mean, because basically the lieutenant, uh, the dad gets alerted. They knock open the front, like they knock the door open while this is going on. Nancy's downstairs. And lures Freddy down there and fucking throws gasoline on him. And also a 
beautiful tapestry of dogs playing poker in the corner. If anybody, <laughs> oh yeah, I just noticed that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. totally. I was like, that thing they're playing gorgeous, uh, gorgeous. They're playing billiards. Mm. Yes, and they um uh, <laughs> and then yeah, she lights his fucking ass on fire. And then, uh, insult unto injury, he tries running up the stairs after her, and she knocks him with the door, tumbling him back down the stairs. Mm-hmm. You got a bit of trivia on that, Ross? The fire do you, guy? Do you? Yes. It, uh, at the time, it was the longest anybody had been set on fire. Oh. Um, for, like, one shot, he was just supposed to, I think, run up the stairs and fall down, and he ran up and fell down, and that got up and tried running up again and kind of fell and started crawling. And right. He won some stuntman award for it Good. that year. Most it held the record for a while. The <laughs> annual most burned man award. They weren't expecting him to like get up and go after her. <laughs> you know what? When you're Freddy, when you're playing Freddy Krueger, you got to have that gusto. He was going for it exactly. There, there's a like uh, in Hollywood. There's a go-to guy for if you're going to be on fire, and this was the guy. This is the guy now. He's on the top of the fire ring. He's pushing the envelope. Um, so Lieutenant Dad uh, now kind of realizes something is sucking very amiss because shy of the windows being busted out of his own, out of his house, there's now smoke pluming out of the entire fucking thing. So she goes. To, they go downstairs, but Freddie, with that fire fucking flanking move, uh, flanks them around the house, and you see his flaming footprints around the house up the stairs. His fiery and- footprints, which would. Only happen in a dream. <laughs> yeah, or if you're on fire and you're melting. That's not how that would... Have you ever set anyone on fire? Are you trying to, uh... trying to say something? <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Not for personal Let's experience. continue because the dream logic's only going to pile up more with each continuous thing. Oh, absolutely. No, point. now it goes completely off the fucking rails because we get upstairs and Freddy is on top of the mom on fire and we have the dad throw a fucking blanket on it and pop it off and um like a goddamn david copperfield trick the mutilated mom puppet behind blue smoke just starts sucking itself into the vast void of the bed so beds are portals i guess freddy's disappeared yeah and now she's like this crazy looking thing sucked down Totally. And this and blue. All very dreamy. Very, very dreamy. So they kind of have this, like, par- father and daughter have this nice embrace, tells them to go downstairs, because uh, Nancy doesn't think this is over, and she's completely fucking right, because she closes, the, the door closes on her, she turns towards the door, and then kind of in an homage to the beginning of the film, there's a huge stretching point where the bed kind of starts stretching with this bloody crazy looking dripping effect and then you have freddy kind of ripping out and uh she's fucking done she knows his secret and the secret is it's all a dream he's not real he's she wants to take back the power that she gave him and tells him he's shit i like the fact she goes you're shit you're fucking nothing you're shit i fucking hate you uh uh, yeah, he screams. also adds to the dream logic. Yes. Sorry, continue. Uh, he screams <laughs> and lunges towards her, and uh, as she goes to the door and disappears, uh, and this cuts directly to her walking out of her front door. It's fucking super sunny outside, and she's in her school clothes with her mom. Uh, Glenn and the gang pull up in Glenn's car and uh, comment on the funky fog. Nancy gets uh, gets in as the top closes down, and wouldn't you know it, guys. 
the classic red mm-hmm. green stripes are on top of the car as it kind of comes alive, locks them in and rolls the windows up as the mom's just doing the queen wave from the front porch. The car drives off and in an insane what the fuck moment at the end, Freddy's arm comes out of the little gl- like it's maybe eight inches by eight inches. Yeah, it's tiny. Like this little it's window tiny. in the front door. He busts through it, grabs the mom, and sucks like a puppet version of her through the hole. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And then we just have the lullaby continues, and that's that's the end of the movie, actually, gentlemen. It was that mm-hmm. kind of fades out. Now, what's weird about the end segment of that is that fucking Wes hated that ending. The ending yes. of this movie should have been she walks out. She has defeated Freddy, mm-hmm. and all of her friends are okay. And, the and entire it was thing, all a dream. And it all, the entire experience was a complete dream, except they didn't want to have it nicely tightened. They wanted to have the idea. I don't think they were thinking a sequel at the time, but they wanted... He wanted the, the one producer, the guy who's ran New Line, wanted... To have a possibility of a sequel. Oh, absolutely. That was why. I mean, and like, they honestly, like, New Line Cinema, they refer to as the house that Freddie built. Like, this, like, New Line was about to file bankruptcy when this film came out, and this saved them mm-hmm. monumentally. They couldn't pay the cast for like a week at one point. They just yeah. didn't have enough money. So they were like, work for free. After a week, we'll have the money and we'll get it to you. And some of the people couldn't work for free, but like, would stay on. So one of the people paid him with his like personal credit card paid people who just like you know couldn't afford to not get paid yeah oh my god <laughs> it's yeah i mean it's, it's kind of just but you're a, saying with the ending oh and the ending yeah so uh, basically they uh that yeah wes wanted just the ending to be defeated done and the producers really like a nice happy ending really yeah. pushed so this was like not necessarily a happy medium between the two because I think this was like way more than what Wes wanted, but they kind of struggled back and forth a little bit. And this is the ending that they got. Yeah. This is the first time I watched it. The, the ending felt messy to me and I was kind of like, wait, what? Like, so it was all a dream cause she just defeated him, but then immediately cuts to, she's still dreaming or she, we just jumped to the future when she went to sleep. Did none of that actually happen? Like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't change how I feel about the movie, but it's the first time I was like, wait a fucking second. What? <laughs> <laughs> it is. I think there's a certain point, and you kind of bring it up, where Freddy should be not interacting with things in the real world, where he is interacting with in the real world. So you have this weird turning point in the film once you're kind of laid with the rules at the beginning of the film that, like, are you still in a dream sequence? What was reality? What wasn't? And then, like, I think it's kind of cool that they don't really explain it in a sense where you're like, you're not 100% sure if he's, like, he got stronger and was pushing his way into the real world. Or, like you said, Sam, this entire point up was his entire dream sequence. And that Nancy was, her nightmare was this entire experience with Freddy Krueger and not just an isolated, like, falling asleep and uh, experience it once. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a lot messier for me than it was before, which is weird because I've watched it every <laughs> so often for 20 years. Yeah. Probably 25, somewhere in between. And this was the first time sort of the, the way how dreams worked in reality and reality works in dreams and that tie-in. 
I've thought about the logic of it. So it is. Well, I mean, that's the best part about. Don't really need to do that, obviously. No, and I think that's what the (laughs) funnest part about uh, Freddy Krueger is, and especially when you're dealing with dream sequences and just dreams in general, is that anything can happen in them. So having a character that can manipulate those is that it really does push the boundaries of what is real, what isn't real, and creates this kind of like godscape for this monster to live in, which I think that in and of itself is horrifying, where it's, you know, you have uh, you have certain slashers with hockey masks that kind of are designated to a certain area in New Jersey. You have Haddonfield. I mean, sure. obviously, you know, this is about one town, but the idea of this creature being able to affect your dreams and no matter where you are you still have to sleep well the whole thing at the time uh, every town has an elm street that's Ex- something yes exactly it's elm street such a common thing it's like every town has one um right. one little final thing about uh freddy krueger is that um his appearance particularly with the fedora actually was pulled from a real life scenario that wes experienced when he was 11 years old so um he was looking outside of his window at his apartment complex and he made eyes with a homeless man uh in the fedora that looked very similar to uh yes sam's doing the face it's fantastic uh kind of very similar to uh freddy krueger and uh the guy saw him looking and they made eye contact and he did this weird scowl thing at him and came into the apartment complex and walked up to the second story where Wes was at. And this kid's 11 years old. His brother came to his defense with a baseball bat and ran outside to confront the dude. And there was no sign of the man. Like it apparently it fucked Mm. him up for so long that he created a large aspect of the physicality of Freddy Krueger based off of his experience when he was 11. You got any other Freddy Krueger, Wes Craven trivia? Um, I've got, I mean, God. I've got, this, do you know where the name Fred Krueger, do you have that? Uh, that was a high school bully, right? Or not high school, it was, it a, was childhood, a, a, a childhood, childhood bully. bully. Yeah, named was the Fred name of Krueger. Um, and then the original Craven. colors <laughs> of uh, Freddy were actually originally supposed to be red and yellow. Um, since uh, Wes kind of considered him more of a shapeshifter and it was actually kind of a nod to Plastic Man, <laughs> believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, then Fun. then they kind of did a little more research and it came to light that the corresponding darker hunter green and that and that crimson red side by side is incredibly off-putting and like they're kind of jarring when you get when they're put together and he used that scientific he's like oh well that okay that's what he's got to look like because he visually well, these colors like, are scientifically off-putting yeah <laughs> <laughs> you totally done absolutely Oh, so oh, I mean, that's fun. I think we all kind of love this movie, but like, what do you, yeah, what, I mean, how did you guys there's something, enjoy watching this? There, there's another trivia that I liked that surprised me is that Freddy's only in the movie for like seven minutes. Yep, it's seven exact minutes of screen time. That's it. Ross, kill count you bring up all the time. Now, obviously we get some gore in here, but the kill count's not very high. It really. Do you think this could really be isn't. the movie you like the most with the lowest kill count? <laughs> Ooh, I would say it's cl- it's up there. It. I mean, it's probably. I would say the only one that is going to beat this kill count wise would be Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. 
Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho only oh, has two murders, I believe, on film, but the rest of it's super fucking crazy. This is very close, though, because, yeah, you've only got Tina, Rod, um, Glenn, and then you've kind of got Nancy's mom at a certain yeah, point. Yeah, so I guess four, if you or count Or maybe her, not. Yeah. So, like, yeah, three or four like kills in this film Mm -hmm. which for the time is was not a very high kill count but i think it was the idea of how these kills happened that just Mm -hmm. totally it's more like creeping you out oh yeah i mean god just the scene of just fucking getting murdered in your own bedroom on your ceiling is just (laughs) just the worst (laughs) just the worst No, nobody sure. wants that who nobody wants, that? wants that nobody wants that well yeah i mean i think we've all had a pretty good history with this movie and like I, we kind of got into it in the beginning you know I, I listed mine i do enjoy the series as it goes on it does become a much different thing than what this first movie really is it still it takes those hints of like freddie being fun and wanting to toy with his you know victims and turning it into something that's even much more outlandish. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, 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 you know, it has people that really like the direction it takes, and then it's, you know, people who go kind of the opposite way. I'm on board with all of it. I've always really liked Freddy as a character, and I think he's always been super f- fun as someone who's as terrible as a person in what Freddy actually is. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's totally. still fun to watch What him. an interesting pop phenomenon cult like character to rise out of the slasher genre with such a horrible backstory it is really mm-hmm. i mean i think it's probably just because his charisma because there isn't i mean shy of maybe chucky but i mean but freddy's yeah. got the puns yeah. on lock i mean by at a certain point like the fuck <laughs> it his pun game was just fucking odd point um, right. But this is it's a very rare breed of slasher that a the killer's vocal, the killer is um, taunting. And then mm-hmm. as the as the experience of Freddy Krueger and the um, sequels kind of go on, um, he he's jovial, but in like a gallows, just the epitome of gallows humor. Like he is a slicing and dicing version of like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> with <it>. right <laughs> you know and then like it's that like okay like these are the sequels that i'm kind of like prepared for but i mean the original concept i mean god there was nothing like that and the fact that wes based roughly off of real world experiences with a group of people that kind of uh were having these horrible nightmares and then mm-hmm. um dying in their sleep for no unfat like there was no medical reason for them to have died when they did autopsies and stuff like that. I feel like the idea of having uh, just then even the slight nod of this being in the real world um, and then having just I don't know, man, just uh, this isn't like you don't have to go somewhere to get killed by Freddy Krueger. You got to be at home in bed. And like that's like oh, mm-hmm. that's your like sanctum sanctorum. Like that is like the place where you don't expect to get murked. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like right, right. It's taking yeah, like any sort of space, safe space, and turning it into not safe. Yes, totally. So I mean, I would say this. Like, let's go straight into like. I guess we'll we'll rate it. Obviously, I'm. I'll start it, and I'm gonna take all five fingers for this one. I'll take Fred. I'll I'll go full Freddy and just start slicing fingers slicing off, off and not stopping at two. Uh, I'm going yeah. all the way to Same five. Boat. Same boat. And, I'm, I'm and, a five. Yeah, I figured as much, and I don't know how Sam's gonna 
gonna rate this one. He might go. How does it fall on your scale? Well, let's let's find out. Let's find out. Um, is it rewatchable? Yeah, that's a finger. Is it quotable? It is quotable. That's another finger. Is it t-shirtable? Yeah, absolutely. I have a shirt with Freddie on it. Um, nice, nice. Is it recommendable? Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Absolutely oh, yeah, recommendable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And does it have that certain, as the French call it, choodle? Yeah, that's another yeah, full figure. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. That's a five figures in the grave. And Throw them all in. And you officially. know what that means, boys. You know what that does? That makes it an official certified choodle. Play the air horns. Throw on the party anthem. We're going to dance around the fire pit tonight because we got another certified shuttle for you. Certified shuttle. Uh, yeah, this it. is this is an instant watch. This is an instant have friends over. This is a uh, great, great movie. And if you ever get a chance during the month of October to go into a theater and see this thing on the big screen, I need 100% to. call off of work, get a babysitter, <laughs> do whatever you need to and go see this because it's, it's not like... Um, it's a great film. It just makes you appreciate it so much more seeing it on the big screen when like you feel mm. like you're in 1984 during the opening. And it's just, I don't know. It's just so good. There you have it. So thank you for joining us this far and into the future where we, we take it into more territories, some of these other, you know, kind of classic movies. But we wanted to jump into something for our, you know, kind of, I don't know, a celebratory episode. We, we jumped into something we knew we would all love and hope that you all love too. I mean, let us know how you feel about how you feel about it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I assume there's probably not going to be a lot of opinions out there that say this movie absolutely sucks, but I'd love to hear reasons why people maybe not like it as much. So we are going to go ahead and, you know, round this off with a, a, our last segment right after this break. And we're back, and as we said, you know, we're going to jump right into our final segment of Would You Rather. So come at us, um, uh, you know, all the socials, give us some Would You Rather questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Until then, we got some that we, you know, pulled around from the internet or from our minds. I'm going to jump over to Ross first, and what you got for us? All right, so this is a little different, but I just thought this would be a very fun question to ask. Freddy Krueger is in your worst nightmare and he kills you. What is your worst nightmare and how does he kill you in that nightmare? Mm. Um, okay, so first of all, I'm in Canada. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Oh shit. <laughs> Alright, sorry Canada. <laughs> so I'm in Canada and I go to an Italian restaurant for spaghetti. Now, at this place, they might serve some Freddy spaghetti. They might serve some Teddy spaghetti. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in the front of house, so I can't watch their pots back there. People are ordering, not paying attention. They don't know how many times they're saying, give me another Teddy spaghetti. Ooh. I'm going to stop there oh, no. because I don't want to accidentally cause any problems. Oh, yeah. Three but times. as we all know, oh, sure. the third oh, sure. time summons them, can't watch a pot. This time, Freddy Krueger pops up and he says, 
it's Freddy Spakruger, bitch. <laughs> and then gets me right with his claws, claws. right up the uh, okay. yeah, nostrils. Or maybe he has spaghetti arms. Maybe we finally found a use Ooh. for this. Okay. So Freddy Krueger with spaghetti arms, not Teddy S. Uh... He, Teddy he has pops spaghetti up and he, 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 he puts spaghetti <laughs> he puts spaghetti noodles all in my nose oh my and God. I'm like suffocated with spaghetti. It's got red sauce and everything. Perfect. That's wild. I didn't think of anything in that time frame. I don't know what my worst nightmare involving Freddy killing me. I can't even. I don't know. I can't yeah. fathom that. Sorry, I'm gonna no, let Freddy okay. come up with that decision. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know mine either. Um, I would probably say my worst, worst nightmare came from a real life experience I had when I was in grade school, uh, but I had a reoccurring nightmare for the longest time. Um, I am getting ready for school. I see the school bus and I'm running towards the school bus. I get onto the bus, sit on the front seat and I look down and realize that I am not wearing pants. Oh, classic. Classic. Mm -hmm. Actually happened to me as a child. Thankfully, in real life, the bus driver, I was like, hey, man, I'm not wearing pants right now. Because it was the 90s that I was wearing, like, Jenko shirts. So, like, it was, like, the shirt was, like, almost down to my knees anyways. Um, so Wait, at least this it, happened to you in real, real life? life. This is, no, sorry, this is, a real life, this is a real life thing that happened to me. That, um, <laughs> and then I had recurring nightmares about it for years afterwards. Because I had just well, slowly, sure. I just slowly skirted like public humiliation. So the dream was just the fulfillment of that humiliation. Oh, what a hero that bus driver! Dude. Wow! Oh Holy my god! Shit. His name was Willie, and he was the nicest human being on the planet. And if you're ever listening to this, I don't know why you would be listening to my podcast. You were a saint amongst bus, bus drivers, and there is a special place in heaven waiting just for you because you saved this little kid's <laughs> life. Um, so the dream is I'm Donald Duck in it. I get onto the bus. Uh, I can't go back cause I have to take a test and then we don't even make it to school because Freddy Krueger's the bus driver. And in just like Nightmare on Elm Street 2, because of my fear of heights, he drives me off of the Grand Canyon on the bus and I die in a fiery hell pit mouth, just descending, free falling forever. That would probably be the worst way I could get killed. Okay. Yeah, I mean, realistically, it'd probably involve something with water for me, being like in a watery abyss and Freddy Krueger turning oh, yeah. into some weird fish creature. And, it'd like, be like an angler fish. Yeah. Like it, you'd angler see the light Fredo. and then get close and oh. it'd be like his oh, face. And I don't even want to talk about it. Oh. off the hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually made me think uh, Are you when ready I was for a kid. Turf, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When I was a kid and found out hippos killed like more people in Africa. And yes. any other animals, crocodiles or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's scary. So I was, I had hippo dreams, and I was scared of hippos. So it'd probably be like a Freddy hippo. Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, a Freddy hippo. Ah, uh, the old Freddy hippo. <laughs> I gotta love it. It's like a hippo with a green and red sweater. Yes, yes. Classic, classic Freddy hippo. All right, well then I got a quick one for you guys. Classic. Would you rather? Two situations for you, real quick. Would you rather sleep for five days straight or stay awake for five days straight? Um, stay awake. Yeah, I'd probably get more shit done. I probably I mean how I'm feeling having a newborn. I would love to sleep for five days straight, but I feel like I would miss out on so <laughs> much shit that I'd I'd need to be awake for five days. Oh well, I I wasn't even thinking that way. 
Because eventually you're going to start missing out on shit from being up for that long, too. You'll be like, probably <laughs> it goes, tripping. It goes both ways. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think I would stay away for five days straight. Now, I'm not thinking like, yeah, I don't know what the repercussions are if it's like a struggle to be staying awake the whole time. Because, I mean, if you're mm-hmm. sleeping for five agony. days straight, there's obviously something either very wrong, wrong with, with you, you. Yes. <laughs> we gotta wear or something diaper. magical going on with this would you rather. So, yeah, stay awake for five days. Just, you know be able to i guess get shit done it would suck if you're tired though and you're you're struggling through it i guess in yes. that case mm-hmm. i would rather just sleep for five days straight if i'm fighting <laughs> to stay awake for five days what's the point yeah right <laughs> sure that's what i'm already yeah. doing right <laughs> already doing that <laughs> already doing it already done all right sam round us off tonight finish us all off what do you got okay would you rather be killed by well killed by stuff you don't want to be killed by anything i guess uh, i don't uh, want to get killed. i don't want to die yeah would you rather deal with well now it doesn't i got so tripped up on this dream logic now it doesn't make sense anymore i was gonna say real world freddy or dream freddy but they're like it's hard to say how different they are oh i would do real world freddy all the time yeah because at least with that he could feel shit the fucking dream world one he's cutting off his digits he's like lacing into himself doing some weird buffalo set on fire and runs upstairs and keeps killing people i don't know (laughs) it's just i think okay so at the time i had the question it seems like it'd be more fun to talk about (laughs) than right now i think in both versions of freddy you're fucked but I feel like you have a slight, slight chance of survival with real world Freddy than dream world Freddy. With real world Freddy, you can at least tend to presumably kill him for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dream world, he has a little bit more power to like screw around with you. So I guess, totally. I don't know. And then you can world. take them. But world. couldn't you, yeah. I mean, couldn't you just dream warrior and fucking. Well, freaking dream warrior. I mean, okay. it only works out so well. Or for, I mean, for some of honestly, our dream warriors, the best option, True. which they started using in the later sequels, was just the no dreaming sleeping pills. So I could just go to sleep. I just wouldn't dream again because a guy wouldn't try to murder mm-hmm. me. That's what uh, Nancy's character was in Dream Warriors. She was like, "Yeah, I just take these pills now because I just want to fucking avoid the whole situation." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. A big pharma over here trying to. What are you trying to push, Ross? Who are you uh, in bed with? I'm t- trying to get us to all take prescription <laughs> pills. What? <laughs> anybody i have these brochures that i'm gonna drop off at the front of the podcast if you guys want to just take a look at it and get back to me a representative <laughs> so what did you say sam who are you fighting i know your your logic's all up in the air right now but what are you thinking i i, I don't i don't see a reason to want to fight dream freddy over real yeah. freddy mm-hmm. even if they're both gonna kill you they're both ultimately bad real freddy i guess i feel like i could be more powerful in my dreams then I could it's all be an illusion, man. It's all an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. I think Sam is gonna contemplate this. You know, go, go follow. Yeah, him. I don't have an answer. Go <laughs> follow him on his socials. Go follow him on his <laughs> socials, and you'll get an answer. Uh, you can follow him at Chuddle the Sam on Instagram and Twitter and Slasher. Go ahead, follow Ross at Chuddle the Ross on Instagram and Slasher. Follow me at Chuddle the Brian with a why. Because why not? why not? On Instagram, Twitter, and Slasher. Follow all of us, the collectiveness that is Chuddle the Pod. At Chuddle the Pod. 
Instagram, Slasher, Twitter, ChuttleThePod at gmail.com. Hit us up. Give us suggestions. Give us likes. Give us reviews, please. We want to hear what you guys think of us. Yeah. And we would love to have those, if you don't mind, have those five-star reviews coming in on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that good stuff. Anywhere you can rate us, we would love to see it. It really, you know, it really helps us out. Uh, so thank you for listening so far to this very special episode and to to many more in the future. Yeah. We want to say thank you. And gentlemen, it was a pleasure having you here tonight. And I hey. love you. So thank you for joining me. I love and you. It's been uh, the you. last six months have been an absolute pleasure yeah, with right? you, gentlemen. And, it's to been, six, it's and six months fun. more. And to six months more. But only six months more. Only after six that, months we got to renew our... Re- re- we're renewing contracts. contracts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, 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 and shit up at that point. So there you have it. Another one in the grave from us, Chuddle Men. So until next time, we'll be waiting. from Wes Quaven like doing the actual sh- Wes, Wes Quaven <laughs> Wes Quaven Wes Quaven the entire time I'm gonna be in an Elmer Fudd voice oh boy good luck so Freddy <laughs> Freddy had his wazers and the wazers were really sharp